I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast, proudly powered by Code. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast here on again this week with JB and I'm joined again by Pistol. Hello, how are you? How was your week, of course? <laughs> I'm really scared of this podcast because... Scared? I, JB said before the podcast, he's like, I'm coming up with the run sheet. Let me do it all. And you just turn up and you have a nice time and I'll do all the planning. And I have no idea with the topics that he's pulled right, for right, this right, podcast. Right. So let me tell you right now. Yeah, it's it's not all going to be a nice time. Um, Great. Well, that's why I'm we, scared. We've we've had an we've had an average start to the season, which you know you don't really learn how good your start is after until after like four or five data points. Then your rank sort of evens out. You sort of know where you're at, right? Sure. So I think it's harsh to say week one. Oh, we've had this horrible start. We've got every pick wrong because I don't think that's true. And one week data point is is not accurate. Like it's it's not it's not going to be the be all and end all. It might not at, at, at least. But I've got a lot to hash out, and I think I'm. Are we going to fight? Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to. No, we're not going to fight. Um, I think I'm just going to. I don't know. I think I'm just going to air some stuff out and and challenge some some ways of thinking. Right. It's going to be interesting. But before we do that, um, I've got a long list of players we have to talk about. Um, we're going to obviously attack all the the specific issues that people might be having with their teams, um, and then at the end of the podcast, make sure you're tuned in because it's there's going to be it's not going to be crazy. There's just going to be some discussion, um, which I think people will find interesting. But before we get into, are you any resigning? Of that, is this like a 
No, 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 no. Um, I'm not I don't know what's there. going on. <laughs> I wish I could quote um, Jordan Belfast when I say I'm not leaving, but I can't quite do it word for word, but I'm not leaving Well, with the explicit in between. I was going to answer the second part of your question of how I went this week, oh, which is probably yeah, what people yeah. want to hear. Um, well, maybe not. It was okay. I felt like I, I, my team is in better shape than I scored a couple of mistakes on my end um led c the yep. whole jelly scenario starting him again and getting ko'd yep. great yep. uh jones on field obviously not yep. good um i had cam mckenzie on the bench after a late reshuffle which obviously wasn't good i mean i had set the field on field for him and that's yeah, what I did I it, it so worked out okay it kind of worked out okay. but it wasn't like i didn't really feel like that was a big gain um so i ended up with 1961 but Realistically, in my shuffle, when I, I brought Wits in um, and I said, oh, geez, I wish I had my VC, I'd VC him and you know, look what he got, 140, and didn't have my VC. So I've lost 90 points right there and there just on that captaincy um, you know, decision. So all in all, I felt like my team's a lot better than the 1961. It was just one of those weeks and I'll cop it and looking forward to round two. Yeah, well, you scored 55 points more than me. Uh, so I scored 1906 yeah. and Ouch. I think this is probably the worst rank I've maybe ever had ever in Supercoach. Um, I don't hate my, I don't hate every aspect of my team. I had a lot of my team, um, which yeah, we're going to, we're going to get into a little bit. So um, I'm not hiding away from my score though. It was a really bad score, a bad week and I made bad decisions to start the season. So um, I'm, I'm keen to get into it all. So before we do that, I'm going to do the Patreon shout-outs. Just a few this week. We have Cam Merrick signing up, Juddy's Juicy Fruits. Um, I might have to check that guy's profile picture out. Tim Robertson, Corey Bicknell, uh, Chris Peacock. I, I believe this says Emo Nightmare, but there's a couple of threes on either side of this. I'm just assuming they're E's. Yeah, it could, uh, could be three Roy nightmares. signing up. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that, that would be three Mo nightmare so I, I think it's emo nightmare yeah, it could be um then we got roy signing up nick schroeder and gav so welcome welcome you guys yeah appreciate you thank signing you up and i believe we got some cancer council donations we do thank you for reminding me um we got a couple so first up it was sad boy 55 uh, has <laughs> donated saying Wait, were the first 54 sad boys taken is that what's happened here <laughs> i mean i so generous donation, so I'm hesitant to say anything. Um, Elliot, yo, injury setback equals I donate. Um, so I guess my question then becomes, sad boy 55, if Elliot, yo, has another injury setback, do you also donate? Because that's what you've put here um, for every Elliot, yo, injury setback, I donate. Um, Mark P says, for some helpful advice and being silly enough to consider Jeremy Govan, or oh, my might revisit that uh thanks mark p for your donation uh, dennis says huge thanks to jb pistol and cheese for all your work over the pre-season and then has doubled the donation or tripled the donation says i couldn't leave it so short at a 25k mark and has helped us crack twenty five thousand dollars raised for the cancer council since beginning of the podcast which is pat on the back to the entire community thank you so much for helping us get there that is just an outstanding amount of money and achievement and so glad we could do something positive with all of our talking nonsense. Um, so congrats. And before you say anything, JB, Spicer um, has decided to donate 50 cents for every defender that kicks a goal through the whole season playing in defense. Josh, yep. Um, 
So thank you, Josh, or Spicer here. It says, uh, obviously, just listing out the 10 goal kickers, Giath, McKenna, Rich, Doherty, Ridley, Lloyd, Florent, Mitch McGovern, and Redmond times two. So thank you very much. That's a really cool idea for a, a year-long donation. Really appreciate it. I like these year-long donations. I think there's we That's we have fun. to find a way to reward these year-long donations. Yeah, we got. To I, think, I think I think that's on us. Yeah, I think I think Josh has to have something in return for such an awesome pledge and for doing it in such a creative way. So I've just put us on the spot with that. I've thought of that off the top. So apologies, Pistol. But <laughs> um, no, no, we got to we got to look into that. But thank you so much for your donations to everyone now. There's no more housekeeping. We're going to jump into the podcast. We're going to start off with some easy topics here, Pistol. Um, I've written down just a list of names that I generally might have forgotten a couple of people, so we can revisit anyone who you want to chat about as well. Great. Um, but we're not going to do game by game. We're not going to talk about players who people don't care about or players with 5% ownership who five. might have caught our eye. I got, um, I got a couple with under five. <laughs> Trust me, so do I. Um, <laughs> we are going to talk about those guys. Oh, but okay. They have to be. They have to be predominantly owned in our circles, at least. <laughs> right. Um, so let's start off with the the first name I've got on my list here, Jacob Hopper. Um, so he played against Carlton on the Thursday. I personally love Jacob Hopper. I, I've had him in a keeper league for two out of his last three years. Um, so just the two years prior to this one. I really enjoy how he goes about it. I think he's a, a really good player. I think he's a star when he when he's fully fit. I cannot for the life of me say that he was fully fit on, on the Thursday. He, he looked not at his peak fitness. He looked slow. He got caught holding, holding the ball and not just caught holding the ball, but like streaming through the middle and almost didn't know how to throw the ball onto his boot and, and just, you know, get it forward. It's like he sort of just, his brain malfunctioned and he just got caught holding the ball instead. It was so weird. And I say this with love because I know how good Jacob Hopper can be, but that was not the Jacob Hopper that we know on the on the Thursday. But what, why? I, I don't know if that means we have to get rid of him or... Like, why do you think you that happened? Why? Yeah, why do you think that happened? Because, I mean, he had the whole I, preseason, the train. Yeah, well, it was an interrupted preseason or a managed preseason um, where he was at some training sessions, he was jogging laps, he missed a couple of the pra- or a couple of the intra-clubs, um, but he played in the actual preseason game. So it was managed. I, I honestly couldn't tell you. He, he was obviously out of the game last year, um, which is, hence his um, low price. So it might have just been the rust. Um, I personally, I'm going to say straight off the rip, I don't think he's a trade out this week. Um, I think we at the very least need to watch him again and see how he goes next week. It was a very, very, very hard game to come back into, I think. Richmond Carlton obviously was a draw, fiercely contested game. Um, Carlton, very good list as well as Richmond. So uh, of all the games to get thrust back into, this was a tough one. But boy, did he look slow. Did he look one, two, three steps behind the the more in-touch midfielders that game. Um, and if he shows that again next week, it might just take him far too long to make the cash that, that we require. Um, if he bounces back, then all is well. I'm definitely in the hold camp this week. Um, but you watched the game as well. So what did you think about Hopper? I thought he was slow. Like when I say slow, I'm talking like slower than Joe Watson. Slow, um, slower than Tom Mitchell. Like slower than yeah, so many players that we think are couldn't slow. move. Um, but to be honest, in the practice game, 
the preseason one, he was also really slow. And I didn't think, I know he, he scored well super coach wise, but ignoring the scores, he kind of looked the same. To, it's, it's a hard one because the position is there, the role is right. He just yep, looked the role was slow. Good. And I, I do agree that I think that's going to take a bit of time to build, and that might lead to him not being a super coach pick. But there's a big test this weekend because they play Adelaide, and the Adelaide midfield was very quick. Like, super quick. Um, I mean, that was because Laird wasn't there for... Well, I mean, he was there, but he, he wasn't doing much. Um, Rochelle was very, very fast, and they looked very, I guess, dynamic in that first half. And yep. I just yep. want to know if he's going to be able to keep up with them. Like, it'll be very interesting to watch and just see how that midfield kind of works um, against the Crows, and I think we'll learn a lot from it. So... I'm in the camp. You're firmly in the hold camp. I am. I'm firmly in the let's wait and see and give him another week because there's nothing wrong than, you know, choosing him and then thinking, oh, you know, he's rubbish, trade him out. And then the person you trade him to is, you know, becomes rubbish. You know, Raul from last year was really good the first two weeks and then basically faded off the face of the earth for the rest of the season. So you don't really want to do that with your pick. And at the same time, you don't want to trade him out. And then he has this string of 90s and you're like, oh, well, that could have been me. On paper, Adelaide is meant to be a good fixture, so I'd like to just yep. see it with my own eyes one more time. And I'm, I would consider culling him if he's very bad again next week. So we'll, we'll wait okay, and see. Okay. So th- this is what I've got to get to. So this is going to come back around later. Sure. So Hopper. So what? What do you think? What little level of importance do you put on trading Hopper out next week if he scores sub sixty five? Sub sixty five so, would be say, bad. Say he say he looks very very similar to what he did this week and has another 65 or lower score. 70 I mean, or lower even. It depends on the available options, right? Like if other mid-prices look good, then high importance on trading out. But if the other mid-prices, let's say Juan Francis falls over, Zebul looks bad, like if there's just not the options, then I guess a lower importance. Or, you know, it depends on the rookies as well. There might be amazing rookies and you're like, oh, well, I can just trade into a rookie and bank monies. 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 Lots okay. of monies. Okay. The next guy I want to talk about yes. is Asava Radiglia. Great. Uh, so, yeah, he obviously his role and job security got absolutely shored up when Geelong just kept having their players fall over. Uh, yep. And he's going to have amazing job security for the next month. I believe he got coaches' votes as well. So the coaches clearly somehow yes. enjoyed watching him. But his role does not have much scoring potential involved in it. Um I think he's fine cover. I definitely not considering restructuring to try and like bring him in. Um, I think it's totally fine. If you have him, good job. That's fine and he'll make you money. And if you don't have him, then that's fine too. Is he going to make you money? I think he'll make money. Um, I think he'll he make... He scored 55 this week. Yeah. He's 175-ish K. Yep. Um, I thought this week he had 19 Dream Team. Yeah. So... I wonder I wonder if he's going to make... Do you think he's got 150K in him? I think he's got 100K in him. Okay. So say he gets to 265, 270K, like as a, as a good case scenario. Is there merit in moving him to someone 50K cheaper, like um, Chandler, for example, from Melbourne? Yeah. Is there merit in doing something like that? Is, is Rad- Was he that bad, do you think, score potential-wise? Or do you think he's an easy just hold him and and just watch him do his thing? Like, is there any urgency on him whatsoever? I mean, we get to see another week. I, I definitely wouldn't be trading in 
anybody this week this week a rookie because you know we've, yep. we've got I think there's going to be like four Melbourne ins this week so we'll see if Chandler survives and then you got Pickett coming back um, after his two week suspension as well so I'm not really sure Chandler's going to survive but if Chandler puts out you know 110 next week it's going to be hard to argue yeah, you know, yep, not yep, to yep, make yep. that trade, but at so the same no time, no urgency this week, though. No, and and also you can't forget he provides value in just having ruck cover. So yeah, you don't yeah, need to get the 150k from that spot. He, he provides other things. Now, obviously, Tom Stewart subbed out. Yeah, um, has been confirmed a meniscus injury. Yeah, it's a trade um, at about four plus whatever it is, or, or for around four. There's no world in where you hold it unless you're no, playing league. No only. world whatsoever where you hold him. Yeah. Um, who caught your eye as the main guys you should be looking at getting in? So I I saw. I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, just give you a second here. Dude. I saw two guys. One of them is up. One of them is down. So I think you can see where this is going. I thought James Sicily has the potential to <laughs> like average twenty nine marks per game this year. Um, he was so, so good um, and, and didn't break the, the head off the score but still looked so capable of scoring 130-plus in every loss this year. Um, and then down below, I saw Nick Dacos, obviously. Um, so are you trusting to go down or do, are you just wanting to sideways this one? I mean, you know, by asking me this question, I'm going to have to talk about Nick Dacos, right? Well, he's on our list to talk All about right, next, Well, then I'm so going go to be doing it, but... Those two are the best two options in my mind as well. I mean, Sicily, I like during the do we just call it the Elliot Yo reshuffle because my team changed significantly <laughs> yeah. during that time. Um, I I had Elliot Yo. Uh, sorry, obviously I had Elliot. I had James Sicily um, and Doherty as two defenders um, because I was really keen on Sicily and his high floor, and that hasn't changed in any way. But I ended up dropping him down. All the way to uh, yeah, the whole to to, to Stocker, um, and we, I went um, Yo to McKenna. So I went like Jones D two, real real shallow because I wanted to beef up the midfield and and forward line. Um, and I don't know if I would do that again, but either way, if I if I wanted to, let's say I had you know Stuart. Um, I think it I think it matters JB if you have Stuart D one or D two. Really, I, th- I feel like you want that rock. Um, at D1 if you can. So, you know, the Sicily or the Doherty type. And if it's at D2, I think you can play it a little bit cheaper. The 500K mark, we saw Hayden Young score really well. Ridley scored pretty decently. And Dacos, I mean, if I had to rank them, I'm probably ranking them Dacos, Ridley. I know Ridley and Young are pretty similar in my Yeah, they're very similar. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get away with saying the same same for those guys. Yeah, that's... Honestly, I mean, the thing is, Ridley was really good, like super good. I thought it was really impressive, and he only scored what one hundred and seven. Um, I just and he kicked the goal on top of that. I as just well. don't. I don't know where he's going to have those one hundred and you know twenty five plus games to bring his. You know, he needs that ceiling to get a bit higher, and I, I can't really see where that's coming from. So that's the downside of Ridley. Whereas Young, you know, the floor is going to just be lower than the floor of Ridley. So that's. That's kind of yep. why I'm thinking they're somewhat similar. Um, but Dacos, yeah, look, I'm going to talk about Dacos quickly, JB. We'll try and He's the next quick. one on our list, so you go, go your hardest. So the pros of Dacos is the kid wants the ball all the time, every day of the week. He's mm-hmm. probably, I'm sure he's sleeping with it, like, uh, you know, under his pillow every night. He was... Sounds de- uncomfortable. <laughs> he was demanding it from every player 
the entire game. And one, you'd love that for Supercoach. Um, it's, that's the best watching your player like desperate to get the ball at all costs. And two, over the course of the round, whilst we probably didn't see as many taggers as we may have thought going into round one, you, seeing how Geelong didn't give him any attention and Dacos dominated, it's hard for me to believe that he won't cop attention you know, for the rest of the season. It's not like saying a hard tag, but at least someone being aware of what he's doing where he is. And then in the same breath, I don't think that matters. Like he's just going to get the ball because if he's not getting the cheapies, he'll put himself on kickouts and he'll take all the kickouts so that he's getting the balls. Like he will find ways to score. Um, and looking at the, the Collingwood run, I'm only expecting really those, I guess we'll say those heavier tags to come round, you know, five and six, um, you know, against um, St Kilda and against Essendon. And sure, he might he might score 70s or 80s, but he's going to put in 120s until that point. So I think I just want that upside from that pick. So, yeah. Well, that, that's the important thing. So I look back to someone like um, Jake Lloyd in his prime years. No one went near him. And I think forward taggers are more prominent in the game today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also someone like Tom Stewart, it took them – six months to figure out that he might be someone worth tagging. Um, and at that point, he'd put strung together a bunch of 170s and and like really, really won them games. Um, I think Dacos is capable of doing so, but he's not like an intercept marker. And a lot of his touches are little, you know, get, get the handball and kick it 20 meters when the guy who handballed it to you probably could have made the kick himself, but they just like it in his hands. And I get it in terms of game plan. I want to get it in his hands as much as possible as well. Um, but I just don't think that's going to – I don't think his floor is going to be 50 with a tag. I, I think it's going to be 70. Yeah. And the ceiling without a tag is like almost it's, – it's probably top five in defense, maybe higher, um, which I think is super unique. He's 500K. So I think, the, I think we messed up in the preseason, you and I, in thinking that the tag was as important as it was – what it as what it was for Dacos because he's 500K. We talk about the 600K guys, the Uber premiums who are going to lose money, et cetera, get tagged and we're like, oh, we really don't want to lose money on those guys and you know that, that would suck. And he's 500K and he could be quite easily, in my opinion, a top six defender. And it's so silly because I thought this in the preseason and I think about two days before the season started, I put something in, in one of the chats in Slack and said, I think we might actually be underrating Nick Dacos, but I was, I, I'd liked my structure. I hadn't changed my team in two weeks and I just sort of neglected those thoughts. And that was just a really, really big error by me, by, by me personally. Um, and I think it's something that needs to be rectified. Like I, I'm, I'm looking to trade Dacos in now and I don't have a Tom Stewart injury. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think there's a couple of things that I've noticed the trends of people, you know, wanting to hold their trades to, for another week of data, and I totally get it. But in saying that, what are you going to see from day cost that's going to make you not want the pick? Like you already know the risks. Do you, do you think Port are going to tag? Like Port don't typically forward tag. I mean, they might, but at the same time, every club might tag day cost. And if they don't, do you want me to actually answer that? Yeah, sure. Do you think they're going to tag? 
Uh, so there was an article that came out, I think today, yeah. where they someone interviewed, um, I think it was Nathan Bassett, one of our assistant coaches, and said, you know, Dacos had a great game on the weekend. What are your thoughts? And they said, look, we're going to put we're going to put time into stopping him, but or at least um, at least playing to his weaknesses rather than his strengths. And I think what that means is. Like the guy in the mark takes those five steps back and they're ready for the hand pass the day cost so they can go and put pressure on. Or we force him onto the side that he's not comfortable kicking on or force him to kick down the line instead of pick off little passes. Force him to defend Rioli. (laughs) Yeah, well, something like that would definitely help, I think. Um, But not in terms of like an actual, we're going to sit Lockie Jones or... Power Pepper on him because Port don't do that. Jones kicked three goals on the weekend. Pepper was one of our best five players on the ground. Those guys, we, we don't tend to have players sacrifice their games just to try and tag an opposition so one of their other guys goes crazy instead. It's just not something that Port have done for years. And I know Drew acts as like a caller in the midfield, but we tried to call Lockie Neal for the last four years. And the best way we did it, the most effective way we did it was this year when we didn't try to call him, but instead we played our game and just, just beat them in the midfield with our midfield with that, rather than putting two guys on him and, or bringing Sutcliffe in to, to sort of tag him. So, no, I don't think we put any tag on him, but I do think he struggles a little bit more than how open Geelong were with him. Um, but that struggle is, is like a – what is that, like a low ton? Like what is, what is his floor? It's ridiculous. He takes most of their kick-ins – he, he gets so many one-twos. He's involved in every switch or every play down the wing. It's mental. Yeah, it's funny. I remember having a conversation with my brother-in-law and I said, you know, it's going to be really hard to resist transferring in Dacos after the first month when he's averaging 120 because none of those teams tag. And then, you know, people will be trading him in and we'll be going straight into a round five tag and a round six tag most likely. Um, and potentially even round seven, you know, around eight as well. Jeez, okay, yeah, there's a lot. I remember looking at this earlier, potentially round nine. There's, there's, there's a lot of potential tags in a row from that run onwards. Um, and one, I'm not resisting very well is the answer to my question to myself. And two, I should have just started him if I thought he was going to score 120 for the first month. Yeah, so that's a mistake. Yeah, I like, I like my uh, – I don't know if you saw my – Tweet JB, my pre-season deep backline had Hayden Young, Dacos, and Ed Richards as as D1 yeah, to three. I'm like, damn it, all of those players did really well this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I go back through screenshots, and before we saw a second of preseason, my favorite defensive structure was the two 500k guys. Yeah, and absolutely. I love Doherty. I think Doherty performed really well, and if he didn't have to go to the bench for a 10-minute period in the fourth, he, he would have scored 130. I, I firmly oh, believe so that. So frustrating. But 108 is fine. I'm, I'm very much okay with that pick. And yet the 500K guys did better, and they looked incredible. Um, so Nick Dacos. Yeah. First of all, back, back to Tom Stewart just for a second. So you're you're happy with it saying that Sicily slash Dacos are your best options. What if you could... What if you could go to either? Well, I mean, one's if you have one, I guess you could go to the other. Um, I know. Well, I think if, it if you have if, one, go to the other. Yeah, but if you have neither, I think I think if you're looking the D one route, I feel like Sicily is good. If you if it's a D two, then I wouldn't mind going with the Dacos route. If that well, makes I think sense. the hundred K we spoke about. It, Hopper it depends earlier. what you do with the hundred as well. Yeah, 
the 100K, there are, I'm going to go, this is what I'm going to circle back to. There are going to be trades that I think we want to make next week. Yep. If we're not making them this yeah, week, I, I think say. we're going we're gonna to make <laughs> them next do week. do it this week, JB. What are you talking well, about? Well, it may be both. In my case, I think it's going to be both. Like if you miss Golden about- and you need the 100K to be able to get him, then sure. 100%. 100%. And, and not just that, but there are so many players um, that, and you might just want to go more guns and rookies. I, uh, there's the potential that our structure just wasn't correct on, on how many mid-prices we're starting. I, I, I have too many pivot. mid-prices. So, um, well, I think that is, gone. That you've unveiled one of the talking topics for later on. Oh. Um, well, we've, we've, gone, we've gone different structures, so it's good that you've got to be careful how we, we talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that was very good. different. Don't don't tell me don't tell me where to be careful. <laughs> um, okay, so that's Tom Stewart. Yeah. Um, who we think Sicily or Dacos. I would prefer to go down and and find that and have that money handy, but it is team dependent. And like you said, D one Sicily, I think is is very 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 handy as well. Um, especially if he's a POD against anyone in and around your rank. I mean, any concern um, for Sicily's role being? There was some times around the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they like throwing him in there. I don't think he's just so good. He just scores. Last year he played nearly a full game in the CBAs and he still scored 115 or something. Like he's actually fine in there. The defense is bad without him in there, but he's fine in the CBAs as long as he's not coming out of full forward. But they have good forwards. Yep. Or um, developing forwards. Yeah. That's why I wanted Sicily in the first place. Um, okay, and then Nick Dacos, urgency on trading him in, whether it be this week or next week. What do you think? I mean, if you, even if you don't have like a Tom Stewart, so, just, so just I, don't, I don't understand urgency. waiting on Dacos. That's the big thing. Yep, yep. Because what? What are you? As I said, what are you waiting on seeing? He's going to score well this week. Just if you can, just get him this week, so you get the big score. I feel the same way about Golden. You know, like Golden plays Hawthorne. What are you expecting by waiting another week to watch Goulden? I'll tell you what you're going to be waiting. You're going to be missing a 120-plus score. All right. Well, Goulden is on the list, so don't get too ahead of ourselves. The next one I want to talk about is Sheasel. Um, somehow 60% of the competition or more missed out on uh, starting Sheasel. <laughs> if you're one of those guys, um, which you nearly were, um, if you are one of those guys, he is. he would have to be the easiest trading option this week. So... Um, Yes, I just want to say I heard that Sheasel was going to be... I mean, they, they came out a couple hours before the game um, that he was likely going to be playing in the back line, which changes everything. Obviously, if he's going to play a full game in the back line, he's going to be a way better pick than playing as a small forward in, in the forward line. So a uh, bit unlucky if, I guess, you missed the late news and you didn't have him. I disagree. You don't think that's unlucky? No. I mean, it is pretty unlucky. No, I don't think so. I mean, he I played a good pick one quarter out of eight. Yeah, sorry, I think he's out a good of, pick regardless. Out of eight quarters, he played one quarter. That should have been indication enough. Essentially, what he did know. was he played two good quarters forward, then got zero touches in the third, and then moved him into defense to get him back into the game. And he scored 70-odd. 70-odd is fine. Um, and if, yeah, but you're looking he, at preseason scores. They don't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, they don't mean anything, but the role was perfect. Yeah. High, two, high half two forward. forward two, like if you're playing half your game for North Melbourne the forward line, that's tragic. High half forward. It's still tragic. For North Melbourne is absolutely okay for someone with that ability and then getting thrown into defense as a backup if you don't do anything for half a quarter is unbelievable. I mean, 
it's that's I great. Think, I think that's it's fine. Perfect. I don't think it's like a. Oh, but he's kicking goals. For 200k, rebounding off half like back. Good. Regardless, if you miss Sheasel, then apologies, but I think you need to get him. In oh, this week. absolutely. I mean, they've already said he's going to be playing off the back again, so I'm going to be expecting another good score. The next guy is definitely playing in defense. Jack Zebel. Yep. Um, put out a pretty good score. Got the the low ton for North Melbourne. Um, I was really hot on him in the preseason. This is, a, this is where my frustrations start growing with my own starting team. You I had him for a long time, a really long time. Long, long time, weeks and weeks and weeks. Tanner Bruin, I think the report came out from Geelong that Tanner Bruin was going to be playing midfield. That is the first time I got off yeah. of Jack Siebel, about four days before the season. Yeah, I had Bruin um, that most of that time and you had Jay-Z and I refused to put Jay-Z. I never had Jay-Z in my side the entire preseason. Um, so yeah. I don't think he's anywhere near a central to get in, um, especially not this week. I think the discussion is more so how sustainable is what he did playing against. So the way I the way I phrase this, and this means no offense to either North or West Coast supporters, but they're going to have sixteen tougher games this year. Both those clubs, they both played each other, and I expect them both to be in that bottom part of the ladder. I don't think anyone's in, being offended by you saying that. Okay, thank you. Yep. Um, so I find it really hard to judge both Jay-Z and Tom Cole based on their good scores yep. um, per expectations for this game. Absolutely. And the number one thing I keep looking at for, for Jay-Z, he had 26 disposals. Yeah. Do you know how many were contested? Uh, probably zero. Literally zero. <laughs> he had yeah, zero not, contested not possessions, good. and that's that's fine because his role is to like mop up the cheapies. But when you're playing a high pressure side, I, I yeah. one I don't think that you're going to get away with getting 26 uncontested possessions. But two, like how do you go when there's someone kind of putting pressure on you? Like if you're going to turn know what it his over, disposal efficiency was yeah 96. I think off the top of my head 96. percent There we go. Mad. Yeah. Um, I think that game is repeatable. I think there's, Absolutely. there's every chance he goes 100 for 50% of the games this year even. There's a chance of that. Um, I think he should. He, wonder, he's in that 95 to 100 range in, in the right yeah, role. Yeah. Like, so I think he's a good pick. If you've got him, I think you're very happy that you, you stuck with him. If you don't have him, I don't see him as a priority trade-in. He's not going to be a keeper. Well, I... I think if – this is a hard part. I reckon he is the best – sorry, that's not the right word. The safest person that's a mid-pricer to trade in this week if you have to because next yeah, week yeah, he is. I would look probably to see how Horn Francis goes again and judge him you know, based on that, whereas at least you know what you're going to get with Jay-Z. He's going to be playing in the back line. Um, and and probably just scoring okay every week. So I feel like that one is safer, but it's not going to make – I don't think it will make or break your season. I'd, I'd still consider him next week if he looks really well, to be honest with you, JB. It's just really hard yeah, in your forward line. When I don't hate it. I think the top priority guys are the big five, I'll call them, you know, Taranto, Rosie, Dunkley, The thing Cogs, is, though, he's now Golden. four weeks away from getting defender status. Yeah, that makes it a bit hard. But at the same time, the way that our structure is, it doesn't really matter if you if you play a forward in your midfield for a couple of weeks until round six comes along and then you yeah, get that yeah. defensive status. So if it, if 
I find myself next week with an extra trade and Hopper's scored poorly and Jay-Z's done well, I would I would certainly consider going him if the other mid-prices fall over. Another talking point in this one was Will Phillips. Um, <laughs> obviously, came on as the sub and scored 65. He was so good. Todd. Um, we know he was going to be good. He was good. Um, the early injury to Sherry opened it up for him. Sherry got injured, I think, in the first quarter or, or early second. He had 15%, 15% tog himself. Um, Phillips, every chance to keep his spot in the side now. He should. Um, there were uh, they had Jaden Stevenson, Paul Curtis, M- Miller Bergman, um, Liam Shields. They, they had plenty worse players than Will Phillips after he came on. If he does hold his spot in this side, he actually becomes a pretty important trade in other this week or next. I don't think you can you'd probably go early. say next. Yeah. yeah, you'd probably say next. Probably next week. But oh man, this, he was the reason I ended up with McKenzie on my bench because I upgraded Phillips to Setterfield. And then got stuck with Phillips on the bench. So yeah, I got yeah, yeah screwed over by Phillips being out. But I'm looking at potentially getting him next week if he if he starts and puts in the game. I guess you're, I'd always be worried that he's going to start as the sub again. But he he just showed why they shouldn't do that because he came on and he I think he was a he was so good a, a real inspiration um, for that North Melbourne side. So. Yeah, I would be surprised if he started the sub anytime soon. And I guess you know, that's the thing with these subs. You never know what's going to happen in an early injury. And he's still put out a good score. It wouldn't have impacted his cash gen even if he, you know, it's, yeah, it's frustrating. What if you started Ben Cunnington? Um, 58 Supercoach, he had 16 touches, was predominantly in the forward line. Um, that was his highest percentage time spent yep. um, was in the forward line or on the bench. Um, barely any CBAs. It is insane to me that Jai Simpkin was a forward slash wing all preseason and Cunnington was the CBA midfielder and then they switched for round one. How has that happened? Can we trust anything in the preseason ever again? That is absolutely mental well, it's to the me. same um, with if you, <laughs> if you have Ben Cunnington, is he, how urgent of a trade-out is he? Uh, you're in a good position if you have Cunnington because he's more expensive than all those other mid-prices and you can use him to springboard to a better pick. Um, if you don't have Golden, you can just grab Cunnington to Golden this week yep. and that's totally fine. If you don't have Cogs, you might even be able to somehow squeeze your way to get Cunnington to Cogs and, and save yourself, I guess, before the prices change. Um, or even if there might be switcheroos and you can get Dacos. I mean, it's a great say, pick. You probably can. There's a lot of switcheroos. Um, yeah. And then we obviously spoke about Zebul. I just actually want to touch back I mean, on Zebul for a he's second. He's not a good pick, I should say. Like the like Cunnington, when I say he's a, the price point is really attractive, uh, and you can yeah. do a lot with it. But I don't think. But you need to get uh, rid. You, yeah, I mean, maybe you can give it one more week if it doesn't fit your team to do the trades. You're relying on a rookie next week, and maybe you can give it one this week or next week. You'll probably be Absolutely. trading Cunnington. Absolutely. Um, uh, back to Jay Z for just a second. I just I just thought for a, a minute there. Um, if Aaron Hall comes back into this side, yep. which I think is actually a big if, um, where do you actually think he plays? Because I don't think it's in defense, but there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe Miller Bergman will be the first one out. Um, and then his role might either be on the wing or it might be half back still. But I think, I think half forward. I, I, I don't think, think you get a lot from him at half forward. Well, what's the point in playing him half back when you've got Sheasel? 
I think there's none. There's there's no point whatsoever. I think it's really detrimental to the team. Yeah, I am in agreement with you. I mean, it, it might happen, but I, I just don't really see that impacting Jay-Z. Yeah, I just wanted to get our opinions out on that because I'm sure a couple of people would have been saying, what about, what about um, yeah, enough, in the comments otherwise? Yeah. Um, next is Tom Cole. He scored 78. Not a hugely popular pick, but maybe he should be. 160-odd K. Um, I know some people are looking to get rid of Liam Jones this week. Um Hi, I'm one of them. Um, and Tom Cole put out 20 touches, 78 super coach, which would both, if they were consistent over the season, would be career bests for him. <laughs> um, now, I again note that they played North Melbourne. Um, I think it's super important not to get trapped in by this. Do you think Tom Cole has any sustainable 60-plus scoring? Or um, A lot of people who did watch said comparatively to his old self – um, where he was sort of the seventh guy in that defense. He now looks like the sort of fourth, fifth guy in that defense. Um, looks like they rely on him to exit sometimes. Looks like uh, he, he wins a lot more of his one-on-one duels, um, which he might not have a couple of seasons ago. So natural regression and them just getting worse as a team seem to have benefited him a lot. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see close to a breakout year from Tom Cole. Um, but what that means scoring-wise, I think is really, really hazy still. Yeah, I don't think he's fourth looking at their back line. I think there's pretty clearly four more important players there. So yeah, it's four, definitely yeah. at best five. I'd probably argue six. Um, but look, Cole had a really good game. I think this isn't one I would be willing to trade in early. I want to stress that. He had 90% disposal efficiency, eight marks. He had a really good game. There's not many times yeah. where I think he's going to get eight marks and 90% disposal efficiency, seven contested. Like This is really a really great game from him. Um, I don't know if I'm going to see that again. I mean... With all of these rookies, the key part to remember is that the first game impacts the price cycle and the the break-even the least. So if you come out the next week and score 30, it kills you for way longer than a 30 in round one. So for Liam Jones, for example, I I know we're skipping ahead, but for me it's not a priority trade if he misses or even if he doesn't miss purely because the five is going to go out of his price cycle quicker um compared to you you are know, getting ahead of yourself yeah well i just i just I, don't, I could see cole scoring 30 next week and i i don't really feel yeah, comfortable no, saying hey too. go jones to cole and then what happens you bank 30k and then you're stuck with another guy that's just scored 30 so yeah it, it's that's a weight for me on that trade that that jones to cole one I, I would be given that another week unless you're desperate you're 30k off dacos or Goulden, and that's the only way to yep, do it yep um, Campbell Chesser um, put out 20, yeah. <laughs> five disposals, three marks, two tackles. Um, Didn't do I enough mean, really, did he? 69% hog is actually promising, but he just did not do enough, did not get involved. The thing that keeps coming back to me is, and I know it's preseason, but he played really well against Port when they played. Um, I think this wing role... I hope they understand that it's going to be super inconsistent and that he keeps getting um, repetition there. But there's a chance that they just go, well, look, mate, five disposals doesn't win you games. Um, as in, it like, doesn't win you positions in this team. 
So, you know, go get some form in the waffle and then we'll bring you back sort of thing. So yeah. um, that could go either way. So I, I didn't, I don't want to deep dive on Campbell Chester, but I think it's worth pointing out. Uh, well, I'm, I'm happy to give it another week. And if it's dropped or poor, then I'm also happy to trade. Um, Horn Francis is the next one. Super exciting debut for Port. Um, played the exact CBA midfield role that I said that he would not get this season um, that he played in the preseason. Um, no Travis Bloke, but that just does not matter in my opinion. Oh, wow. okay. um, he he had the CBA role with Boke in the preseason, and I still said no, 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 no. Um, you know, Butters is going to get those CBAs when the season starts. He's just underdone and yada yada yada. He was incredible in there. He looked so good. Um, he was our best on ground, and Boke coming in just just does not change that. Boke was playing half forward anyway. Um, maybe like each each midfielder loses three percent each and accommodates for Boke, but um, simply put, it's not going to make that big of a difference um, if any at all. So I'm excited about Horn Francis, but I don't think he has keeper potential. So I don't really understand the pick unless you already have him. So you're what trading do you think in someone who you're going to be trading out. Um, I, I think he has the capabilities now to average in the 90s, maybe. Like low 90s or it's different yeah. 99 to 91? Yeah, no, no. It's a low, low, eight, low 90s, sorry. Yeah, okay. So Say like up to 95. I agree. I watched the game as well and was blown away as everyone else was looking at him and thinking, yeah, okay, that's prime danger field right there. Um, yeah. he, look, he looked beyond incredible. But he his disposal efficiency was so high, which is not a but trait high, that we've yeah. seen before. I mean, maybe a new start, fresh start, but we, we looked in that Pracky nah. match, he had 21 touches and I think it was 81 Dream Team to 70 Super Coach because his disposal efficiency wasn't good. And he's just, I, I mean, he still shinned it. Like I still saw some of the, the, his kicks yeah. come off his shin, but they just hit targets. So I was at the game and I remember about halfway through the second quarter, I was saying, uh, no, it must have been halfway through the third quarter because the second quarter we didn't get a lot of the ball. Halfway through the third quarter, I turned to um, my wife and um, mother-in-law and, and said, like, this is not Horn Francis. This is not what we expect from him each week. He does not hit targets like this. And I think the very next two kicks were absolute helicopters yeah. but still went to a port player. Yeah, they're literally helicopters. I was like, helicopters. that's what I expect, <laughs> but I don't expect them to land in our lap every time. Um, his disposal efficiency is still not good. Um, and I think it was dressed up a lot this game just by the pure dominance. But um, I would be very, very surprised if that was a sustainable disposal efficiency for him. Ah, very surprised. Absolutely. But I, I'll give it another week as well. If he does the exact same thing two weeks in a row, it's going to be pretty hard to, to say... Yeah, he can't do it. But it might be one of those Ralph flash in the pants ones. But it's a, it's a, it'll be a good test against Collingwood purely because the way our midfield worked against Geelong, we just dominated. Like it, it was fast and furious. And I want to see if if he can keep up with it. Really. So if he turns up this week, do you put a level of importance on that potential trading? It depends how he turns up, right? Like if he got 30 touches, I'd be more keen than if he got 20 with really good disposal efficiency. Yep, 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 yep. Well, I mean, like we said, the disposal efficiency might have lifted. I would like to say, by the way, everyone's saying like 19-year-old, um, second year in the game, yada, yada, yada. Like Dacos is was in that draft year. Like, <laughs> and we so know good. Dacos is a premium. And I know Dacos is better, 
Don't get me wrong. Thank you. And um, potentially in a better role. Better right now, I'll say. No, no, better. Um, but let, let's not compare Port Horn Francis to North Melbourne Horn Francis. This is a brand new role and clearly a brand new attitude. I, I apologize, North fans. I know you, you're probably not enjoying. They got Sheezel. They're hearing, not going to complain. <laughs> exactly. They shouldn't. They shouldn't complain. They, they've got a great list. They've got a good coach. Um, I loved their start to the season. Horn Francis is still the well. worst out of the three of them. <laughs> but um, but essentially, this is a different guy than what we saw last year. I don't think we can compare him to last year and say, oh, he's going to start churning out 40s. Do you know what I mean? Not in this role. Not in not, this role. Not in this team like There's this. There's too no. many CBAs to put out the 40s. I say that. It's probably going to put out 40 next week. And, and Port, by all accounts, beating Brisbane by 50 points, looked like a better team than what North were last year. I think we can safely say that. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. Thank you. Um, all right, we're going to move on to Connor McKenna. Uh, so if you um, started with that McKenna, which a lot of people, by the way, did. Um, yeah. He did have the – he had the preseason game where he was sort of invisible and then the next preseason game where he was invisible still but scored 60. And it was like, what is this guy going to produce for us this year? Like he genuinely just might not be a great player. Uh, he might not average well enough. He's higher priced. There was a lot of defensive rookies, especially Wilmot being in his team. Um, but 93 Supercoach, he actually does become a priority trade and he looked very good in a big loss um, and it looks like he's going to make a lot of money for people who started him. Yeah, I wasn't going to start him, so I got pretty lucky with Crozier being out. Um, it was a weird price point to try and fit in the team, but yeah, it's worked out yeah. well for me. Um, he was really, really good and that looks like that's halfback role. He, he looks well ahead of um, Wilmot or any other real contenders outside of you know, it looks like they, there was that Rich, Coleman and, and McKenna kind of trio. And now yep, that yep. Coleman got uh, failed the concussion test and is going to miss next week at least, then we should see McKenna have a good week off the halfback. And I think Wilmot will probably be thrown um, off the halfback as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully a, a good Wilmot score to kickstart his cash gen. That's a very good point. His kick for Cole, by the way. Oh, my God. That is the straightest kick I've ever seen. It's just a pity he was running at the wrong side of the point post. <laughs> he um, missed from two I was meters right out. behind that one. That? I was right behind it. He literally kicked it like an arrow. It came off his boot and didn't deviate for a millimeter, but he was running at the wrong side of the post. Um, and then I was going to say I was also behind the McKenna kick. I was on the wing, so I was behind both those sides. So really behind, um, but yeah, okay. Well, like sort of. Well, he did, he was angled. So I mean, if your head's he's, turned, um, it's behind. But. I mean, I guess. Um, <laughs> but he uh, I was behind that one as well. And that did not deviate either. That was a 65-meter drop punt that went almost post high and was never missing from there. So he looked incredible. I think there's some mayo on that kick, but I'll, ta- I'll maybe, take it. Maybe. It's like a 75-meter <laughs> so off one step. Um, it was off one right, step. Ashcroft, that was the only truthful part the of the whole thing. <laughs> Ashcroft is the next guy, uh, 55. He did kick a goal. Um, could there have been a harder debut for any player? Yes, it could have. Uh, okay. He could have been debuting How for m- North Melbourne. <laughs> no, but North Melbourne won. No, in, they won. Against Port Adelaide or whatever it is. <sighs> sure. Um, 50-point loss, high, high-intensity game, very hot conditions. Um, the role looks fine. I think there's no concerns with Ashcroft. No, no. It's just unfortunate that he looked a bit lost early. Um, I think in a, he's going to end up being as with most rookies. They're, he's going to flourish in the games where it's a little bit easier, not when the games are 
they're getting destroyed by 10 goals. I think if Brisbane bounce back to, you know, be up by 10 goals themselves, he's going to be, you know, taking, capitalising yeah. on that and, you know, probably... Yeah, he'll having, be a bit of a I don't, I don't know if that's yeah. going to be happening this week against Melbourne, um, but I, I don't feel like he's... I know they've got a pretty tough draw. They've got Bulldogs in round three. It doesn't really get easier. Collingwood in round four. They can have the Port Adelaide oh, start they're from really, 2022. Their fixtures, look, we've got to wait till round five for them to play North Melbourne, and that's the first time Ashcroft's going to kickstart his cash gen. <laughs> um, that might be Bulldogs. Honestly, by, I'm by still enough. happy to keep him at this stage as, you know, my yeah, M8 or yeah, whatever you, it is. You have to keep him. M7, M7 M8. And he still showed enough in a, in a huge loss where so many of his teammates, he was still um, in the top 50 percentile on his team for Supercoach. So, I mean, not a lot of them scored well, but he'll be he's fine. a rookie. I think he'll make he's money, starting. but it will just take longer than we thought. I think he's going to end up making it closer to his buy than you know we probably expected him to. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the next one's a big one. We're going to talk about Liam Jones, um, who scored four or five, was yeah, it? In the five. End? Thank you he got very one scaling, much. Very nice. Um, and was obviously subbed out with a neck injury, potentially playing this week. Um, if I were to put any money on it, I would say that he's not going to play this week. Yep. But let, he's, he's a chance to play this week. Um, what are your thought process is on this one? He had 40% time on ground. This was not a, the first incident of the game where he yeah, already had... It was nearly half time. Coach. Nearly half time before this injury occurred. Um, I know they play St. Kilda this week who just gave up like 400 points to the three Fremantle more, defenders. More, and that's not more an exaggeration. Than <laughs> Might have been four, more than 400. It was. <laughs> um, so obviously they look primed to sort of score against. But this is... Like really, really levels of bad. Yeah, I think it's a hold for one week um, until we get to see. And there's there's reasonings behind it. One, I think it's a pretty easy loop this week. You can loop Cowan into Wilmot, and I expect if Carmen doesn't score well, I think you can get a decent score out of Wilmot without Coleman. Um, So I feel like that's a that's a tough one to get, but you get more information. And secondly. I'm happy trading him next week so I can get more information on Body Uland as well as K Chandler or using DPP, you can pretty much get any rookie that you missed. And I'd like to see one more week because, as I said earlier, the round two scores for rookies matter so much more than round one. So it's it's more important that you get it right. And if you make your move this week, uh, going down to a rookie, I don't know if... Um, you know, you're not going to nail it. There are some there are some asterisks. I think you can probably safely get Connor McKenna if you wanted to, if that was a miss, or if you're upgrading him to someone like Dacos. I think you can you can probably do that pretty safely. But outside of those things, I I, I wouldn't touch him. I'm okay with trading him. I'm actually I'm doing it personally, but I think the circumstance in which you trade him is if. When I get to the end of this podcast and read out a list of players we might be looking to get in and out of our teams next week or this week, um, I think if that list goes higher than five, then you're probably looking to make a trade or two that you don't desperately want to this week. But you think, if I don't and I save everything for next week, I'm not going to be able to do anything before price rises or not not be able to correct everything before price rises, which is arguably the most important 
week of Supercoach trading. It is getting in before those price changes um, and the competition all of a sudden shifts on you. People have more money than you. People have less money than others. Um, so I think that's super important. So if it gets to the end of this podcast and I read out four or five names that you're going to be interested in, um, I think the, the reasoning for trading him goes up significantly. Otherwise, if you're a little bit more comfortable, there's plenty of people's teams who have sent me um, who, plenty of people who have sent me their teams and said, "Look, I've got Liam Jones. I'm I'm super happy to get him out this week." And I look at it and go, "You've got Golden. Um, you're not far from Dacos if you need him, and most of your rookies, if not all of your rookies, are okay." I'd absolutely hold him in those cases. Um, I'm talking the more extreme cases of messed up teams, which mine falls under. Um, I think those guys are looking to move him on this week. Yeah, we basically said the same thing. Cool, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad I wasted everyone's time. Um, all right, so the next one is Sam Flanders for Gold Coast. Um, stupid, sexy Flanders. Yeah, stupid indeed. So similar to the preseason, they got flogged and they didn't score a lot. And unlike the preseason, he didn't get 30 touches. Um, he got less than 30 touches um, yeah. by quite a bit, actually. Yeah, yeah. got 19 touches. Kicked some goals. But he kicked two goals and still just scored 64. Now, I don't think he's a goal kicker. No. So the fact that he got two goals and only 64 in this are super concerning to me. If I was a Sam Flanders owner... Um, I think I'd be tucking my towel between my legs and, and potentially looking to move this one on. Absolutely. Um, he, the role's not good um, and it was slightly different than the previous week. may have just been because they were getting absolutely demolished um, in that midfield by the Swannies. He really he wasn't pushing up the same way that he was in the practice matches. Um, yeah, I think that one's a, that was a tough sell. The, role, the role's not there. And I don't think anyone with that role is going to be able to produce really good super coach points. So you're probably looking at, if you missed a sheasel or something, a really easy out that you could do this week. Otherwise, I'd be getting ready to look at how I'm going to get, you know, if I'm going to downgrade or upgrade him, um, you know, at the end of next week. There's just no way he's going yeah. to survive past next week. No, no, no. He can't survive in your teams. There's a chance. I mean, he kicked two goals. I, w- I w- would say with another performance like this, there's a chance he's, again, already looking at a green vest, but there's, you know, no, if he's putting goals he's on not, the board. He's not I wouldn't getting think a he's green vest. Bad. I mean, I'd still expect another 60s. He could. I, he could in four or five weeks. Uh, don't, oh, don't in four or five. Yeah, don't just in terms yeah. of tomorrow. Uh, I mean, sorry, no, next correct, week. Yeah. In the very next week. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think... I think you're probably getting a 60 out of him and you just cop it for one week to get more information. It's better than burning a trade on the wrong person. I do agree, unless of course I read a few names, a few too many names at the end of this podcast, and you think definitely I need to move a couple of people. On. Don't do it to Chandler, because no, that's, no, 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 I feel like we'll, we'll what talk about that. We'll be talk about that. Asking us, so I'm just going to rule that one out early. Yep. All right. So Uland, um, Constable, and King all played in this game. Yes. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on all three mm. of them. Uh, very varying results uh, by these three. Um, very concerning for at least two of them. Um, so do you want to just, I know you watched this one closely, yeah, so did. just uh, flick out what you got. Um, basically, King did what you would expect a key forward to do in a side that's going to get demolished, that has good defenders. Um, one, the kicking, the, they were, the Gold Coast midfield were under a lot of pressure. Their kicks inside 50 to King were not good. Um, he's a key forward with a really, really low floor. Um it's not a great role for Supercoach as key forwards. The role never has been. You kind of need him to be kicking 
back-to-back weeks of five goals for him to make you 100K and then cash out immediately before he loses all the money. I think he's still got potential to do that, but if a rookie is able to put in better you know, back-to-back high scores like Chandler or um, I don't know, Philippu or someone like that, it might be worth the trade depending on how King goes next week. But I don't think I think it's the same sort of camp as Flanders. Just don't – I hope he's not on – I don't think he's on anyone's field, JB. I'm pretty sure he's on most people's benches. Um, yeah. So you I could probably so. just pop him on the bench again and reassess that one next week. Um, I think Constable and, and um, Ulan's – I'll talk about in the same breath. Uh, Ulan was better than Constable. Um, he was playing more of a – I guess defensive wing roll get, went all the way down to the back pocket and then kind of up the wing. Orland did not stop trying uh, until the very – he didn't – he just stopped until the, the final whistle went. He was great. I thought his efforts were really good. His decision-making was good. He was in the right places and he's going to hopefully get the opportunity to improve in that side. And on the other hand, I saw Constable's stats looked really good on paper. That 87 Dream Team looks real nice, but he was terrible. He was just a turnover merchant. Um, he could not kick, and so so bad in terms of turnovers. Twenty three kicks and just forty six percent disposal efficiency is crazy. And there was kick ins too. Um, yeah, and he still wasn't hitting targets. Like it was just a really really poor display. And I think they said Weller is available for this week. So I don't know who is going to get dropped. My gut feeling is it's going to be constable but it might be all and might get dropped but that would be tough because he was real good i i I was looking at him during the game thinking oh i'm going to downlay downgrade liam jones him in two weeks time that's how that's how confident i felt in the moment um but it's really hard with gold coast because they do have those outs on that halfback line and brandon ellis is not far away and you know he was playing kind of on the wings and i think we just need to see how um well lucky weller is confirmed to return this week yeah so we need to see who stays in, who stays out. But for sure, there's I have question marks over both those guys. But if if uh, Ullen can put in another really good performance, I would potentially look there next week. Uh, I, I do have – let's just say I'm pushing Constable. I'm making plans ready my next week and this week's trades that ends with Constable on the bench if I need him to be because I don't want to be left with a donut. I think all three of them obviously wait and sees for next week. Yeah, um, for sure. But the, there's the potential you're sideways in Constable, but probably only King is, is looking at a trade-out option. Yeah. Um, whereas Uland, um looking at a potential trade-in option. A Constable could come in and out the whole year, so probably it's not like a yeah, desperate sure. trade. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you have like him and Chessa, you're always going to be trading. If Chessa puts in another 20, probably looking at, Ugh. you know, that. Um, okay. <laughs> We got uh, we got a few more players to go through here. Um, Errol Goulden is the next one. Um, this actually, I've got this marked down as a lengthy discussion, but I don't think it actually needs to be. No. Um, the only thing that I will say is he got the fifty percent CBAs, which we expected him to get anyway. Expected fifty. Um, I, I expected forty to fifty between yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought um, I thought forty would be a good. So a good it was one a slight him. uptick, but um, someone like Callum Mills had a had a downtick, who's still obviously coming back from. Um, he had some fitness concerns this preseason. Uh, he's rested for a couple of those games. So I expect Mills to slowly go up and Errols to slowly go back towards 40, but I don't see it dipping below 40 anyway. So it doesn't really matter. His role was good. It's going to be good. Um, he had 24 touches, five tackles and a goal. Um, I would just like to see what he does in a game that isn't decided by 50 points Son's way. Um, 
I don't know if we'll get that opportunity. I don't know <laughs> actually who they verse next week. Hawthorne. Um, who they play? It's, it's actually Hawthorne. At the SCG. Okay, that's a bit concerning for non-owners. But um, so we're not going to see that before the, the price changes. Essentially, um, could get the fin tag. He, hey, he could get the fin McGuinness tag. He genuinely could actually. That is very true. He he actually could be their their most taggable. Probably one, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. I actually don't know. I actually don't know. Um, well, Warner had 30 and eight tackles. He was, <laughs> he was I um, think he had three behinds as well. It could have had a monster game. He did. Um, <laughs> regardless, anyway, um, I think we can safely say Golden passed the first test of the season, which was getting through an actual non-practice match, full-on AFL match um, in, in the midfield and getting that high score, which he did. So I think at this point, the 13 contested possessions is the one that stands out to me. Um, and only went at 54% disposal efficiency for that 115. So it could have gone monstrous. That's the scary um, part. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he is just an uber premium and he slots into that big five that, that we now have forming. He. So the only concern I had at all was that calf strapping that appeared in the three-quarter time break. But then he just played like every CB in the last quarter. And I'm like, well... How much can I really be stressed about it if they just strapped it and then threw him in the midfield for the for the rest of the whole game? Um, he was insanely good. I it kind of felt like the Swans would attack, like they they re, they go rebound from their defensive fifty. They get to the I don't know if I'm using descriptive words very well, but not quite in the forward fifty, but like around the forward fifty. But then they would like sideways or diagonally kick it to Goulden and let Goulden have that inside fifty kick because his better at it it looked like it was a set play almost i mean he had 10 inside 50s from 18 kicks that i mean that he feels had the like second most lot. meters gained in the entire team but that 10 inside 50s from 18 kicks it just really felt like that was a game plan they're like let's get it into the guy who's got the best kicking you know inside 50 disposal efficiency and let's just utilize him and they that's what that, i don't know if that's right or wrong I guess we'll find out more but from eye test that's kind of what i saw watching it and he is really good. Um, I thought at 40% CBAs, which was the most I thought that he would get, um, he could go 100 or would, would go 100. And now he's at 50% CBAs. So what's that? That's probably 105, um, which makes him you know, very good value at 470K. And if he's increasing his floor, um, you know, now... And next week might be the cheapest to get him. But JB, I want to also mention, um, I've seen a couple of questions already, basically, or not questions, but comments that I want to address, which just says, if Goulden's good again next week, then I'll get him. He's not going to score badly against Hawthorne. It's really silly to me. I mean, he's obvious, like, unless he gets the fin tag, he's going to just score really well. So what are you waiting for? Just get him now then if that's what you're deciding on. Like I'd rather have the big score in my game than not have the big score. Uh, well, I'm not getting him because I need Dacos. Yeah, sure. So there are reasons. But if you but have Dacos, yeah, then if you're, what, if you're just sitting you're on waiting your hands. For? Look, we're going to have a discussion about this a bit later, but the, get him. the aggressiveness needs to be just needs to be talked about. There are 36 trades in the game this There's year. There's not many you, players I'm aggressive about as Goulden and Dacos. Yeah, you, <laughs> you really need to assess, you know, premiums that are... What did we buy last year? Was it last year or the year before? Stephen May at 500K? And we were gassed with that. It was like, oh, it's Stephen May. It was less. It was 400 passes. Uh, was he? Yeah. I thought it was like four. Nah, no, it was 400. I thought it was closer to 500. No, nah, it was 400. 
I remember because really? I didn't have, I didn't get him. <laughs> okay, well then that is pretty cheap. But regardless, for only a hundred k, we're getting two guys that are in the game right now that are looking like being not just ninety plus, but a hundred plus quite comfortably in Uber premiums. Um, they're not going to be cheaper. There's no, there's no time to just sit on your hands and, and say, oh, I might just get them in round eight when they're you know five eighty k. I do think know, Dacos in the back to back to back to back tags can get back down to 500k. I'd be very surprised if he got back down to 500k. Fair enough. I'd be very surprised if he got back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back tags as well. well. I mean, the the run has all the taggers. I mean, might, might I just not think be four, realistically but even two it just gets doesn't down there. happen like that. I just don't think that's realistic to, to go with, is that he's just going to get six tags in a row. Well, I, I, I think like, he's playing the four tagging teams in a row. Yeah, but the game doesn't... Like, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Like, we, we've had... Perryman, who just played against the Crows, yeah, got injured. injured in the first two seconds. It's true. Like, it's very true. Uh, th- thing, things do happen. And I think that is a big thing of, of what we need to talk about later is we overrate the tag and the potential of a tag and sort of underrate the scores that come in between or the scores that come in the tag games that just don't end up in being tag games. Well, we, we, it ends um, up not tagging the player you expect, like like Sarong got tagged instead of Brayshaw. Yeah, which we never expected. So you wouldn't. Yeah, people like, never oh, can't get Brayshaw because he's getting tagged round one, and then he ended up not getting tagged round one. Ended up, I know I'm jumping ahead, sorry, but yeah, ends up with this massive twenty, you know, 114 Dream Team game, but then still scores like 60 because he can't because he can't kick. <laughs> Don't worry, you're not jumping ahead. He's not a monster to talk Great. About. Um, <laughs> so the next guy I do have to talk about, though, we're going to go into the GWS Adelaide game, which is full of people to talk oh, about. There's four, gosh. three of them with stars next to let's them. Let's do it. Um, yeah, let's, let's get through. We don't have to rush, but let's let's get through with a bit of pace here. So firstly, Callahan. Um, only had the one CBA, so I don't want to say that his role improved after the injuries, but it definitely that they lost players who get a lot of the ball, um, and he found himself just off the back of stoppages getting a lot of the ball. Um, what I did find interesting and that I didn't really quite see in the practice games is he was he was still relying on. Um, the ball falling into his lap a bit, yeah. which is, you know, with a wing roll, you can kind of expect. But I did see him get sought out a lot when kicking from the wing towards the half forward. Yeah. Um, I think he's he's got a left boot that they really, really trust. Um, and it's very penetrating. I think they, they like getting in his hands on, on the sort of spread. So um, I saw that, which I did not see in the preseason games. If I saw more of that in the preseason games, I would have been more sold on this winger um, because now it becomes a winger who they actually do try to feed the ball, um, which I think is super important. He's always up at those stoppages around the ground. And although he's not getting CBAs, um, I think the role that he had against Adelaide was much, much, much better than the role that we had he had um, in the practice match. So it was interesting because Ware was on the other wing and they just when there was the option of going towards Ware or Callahan, they pretty much always chose to go to Callahan. I don't know if that was on purpose, but that's just the Well where's a more defensive sort of winger? Yeah, but they like you know when they're when like they're at the top fifty and they're like, am I gonna go left or am I gonna go right? They just like always went yeah. to the Callahan. I would side. choose Callahan as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean to be fair, I think he had like a forty super coach last quarter to get up to the ton. Um he just yep. had these long spurts of not getting the ball. I mean it took him ten minutes to to get his first touch and then um coming on from the quarter two um, before half time, I think it was like 20 minutes until he got his next touch. Like there's just these like long spurts where he doesn't get it. And then he was like super involved in the last quarter when the game was on the line and, and got a lot of points. But at the end of the day, 
Um, I think it was Freco that tweeted out that he had the highest kicking efficiency of anyone in the, the whole round. Um, and you look at his stat line, 25 possessions and zero tackles, and you think, well, there's still upside um, in that pick, especially now that Jelly's concussed and out um, for mm. at least one week. Then he's just going to have a potentially, I guess, a more settled you know, more settled role. Well, not, not just that, but Perriman's got to be out with a couple of weeks with a hamstring yeah. injury. He's not going to be thrown around, um, right? It's just going to be the same consistent role for the next couple of weeks yeah. when they have an easy fixture. And for me, if he puts out, you know, another ton, where that's that's cash in the bank. You know, he's he's going to be making money. To get twenty five touches from a wing, that's pretty good. No score, no no scoring at all. Um, just the one playing at eighty four percent efficiency, but eighty four percent time on ground, which shocks me because. Like we, we, he's he's not played before. Like he's, I know he has played before, but he's so fresh and he's getting eighty four percent tog on a wing. He's good. <laughs> um, he's very, very, very good. It's very good. Um, so I think he's on my list of potential trade ins as well. Yep. Um, for next week, if he go, if he goes a ton again, which I do think we want to watch him next week. I know they've got West Coast, but they do have an easy run for the first six. Um, well, first five, I think. Well, maybe we can I'm, lo- I'm looking next, at getting him this week, to be fair. Part of my whole getting day uh, cosplay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's absolutely, I think that's absolutely okay as well. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we, we did that. So he's on the in list as well. So the next guy to talk about is Josh Kelly. Now, we are going to have differing opinions on this. So I want you to justify why you think he's a potential trade out this week. Sure. Um, firstly, from what I saw, well, given I watched the game, Josh Kelly was phenomenal. Um, it was unfortunate that his first couple of kicks, which I don't know, I saw he get the clearance and then kick it long to a somewhat of a pack, but then there was a bit of wrestling and then a third person came over the top and took the mark and then they gave Kelly a clanger. And I was like, ah, okay. Um, and I think that happened forwards, three times. His forwards did not contest no, they didn't the ball contest. That going was forward problem. as much as they should have. That was a problem because yeah. they kept getting in these like wrestling matches and then like Dawson or someone would come over the top and take the mark. And then Kelly got three, I think he got three or four registered clangers in the first quarter. So his score yep. just never really picked up from that point onwards. Um, and he looked really good otherwise. Like he was around the ball kind of in the role that we expected. He got a tiny, tiny bit more pushed out when Perryman went out just purely because Ward can't play on the wing well. So Ward got more inside mid-time and Jelly started a couple of CBAs on the wing but then kind of ran in. Um, I think he's going to be a good pick. Uh, My one issue for me is that, well, for a lot of people, is that one, you might not have bench cover this week or good, good enough bench cover this week. And two, if you're like me where your structure has Jones at D2 and potentially Jones missing, it's I'm just taking advantage of Kelly being out and being able to restructure appropriately, specifically because of some failed mid-price picks, um, I'm able to split Jelly into Dacos and Goulden, and that seems really good. So... Um, that that's kind of where I'm going with it. It's just kind of the perfect timing and how things worked out. Um, however, if you ironically are like me and your structure is fine and you have McKenzie on the bench, <laughs> I don't know how many people have McKenzie on the bench. Surely not many, but I could hold him technically um, and be fine. I just wouldn't, wouldn't, my structure would be terrible moving forward. Um, I think if you can hold him, if it's a one weaker, which we can't guarantee that it is. Um, he's looks like he's going to be a good pick for the rest of the season, at least. 
That's why I don't understand. He's it's going to be a one week injury. Is it? Yeah, because they they um he so there was an interview with one of the coaches who said that the twelve days expires the day before the game next week after but next. But you don't know how he's going to pull up. Like if he's going to have headaches in three right, days I mean, later. If like we want to, if we want to play the maybes and the this that's. I mean, we generally keep premiums for two weeks anyway. No, it's, especially it's true. if you've got good cover. It's true, but I don't think people have cover. So that's that. Oh, you do. Up. I do, but not <laughs> ma- not many people would accidentally have McKenzie on the bench. Okay, but even still, I, th- I think there's enough switcheroos that maybe there's a Philippou on the bench or a, another player too. that is... Why does that sound bad? Philippou definitely he scored like 20 this week. Uh, I mean... They won last week. <laughs> and the guy that you trade in could go 20. It's it's easy to just say that players could score this, that, or the other, but I think essentially you've got an, a, a premium who's out likely for just one week. Well, I guess and- it depends who you're trading to. I'm not saying trade to an LDU. I'm just I'm just curious why we're breaking the one week trade rule because I think structure is more important than individual premiums. So you can't fix your structure over two weeks the same way while keeping Josh Kelly. No, I can't. As I need to because I, I have I one too crazy. many. Because I have one too many. I have three three hundred k guys in my midfield and four premiums. Yep. That sounds like three trades of a uh, no, but no. It's in like that's just, that's that's the way because I I mean I didn't get all three wrong. Like I've said the field like that's fine to hold. Um, so just the way that my team has shaped out is it's better to get rid of Kelly to split into to Golden and Dacos, and I'm sure there's other people that need that extra backline frail um fi- you know frailties fixed up, especially if constables dropped this week. All I'll say is, I know it's going to be team dependent, massively. But I think, I think it's optimal to hold Josh Kelly. I think that that is the best play for Supercoach for Classic. Um, is just to hold Josh Kelly for a week. It's a one week injury we're talking yeah. about. He was going to score 120 before he went down. Um, I genuinely have no doubts about that. He was one of the best three players on the ground, which the other two were the other two midfield yeah, people that I, he had. But, I agree with that. Overall okay. sentiment. I, I, I just okay. think I think that's fine then. If you if you've got your two defenders, then you're probably fine to just hold Kelly. All right, Lucky Ash, not owned by a lot of teams, but we'll just quickly um, spit out what we think of Lucky Ash. Uh, Twenty one disposals, one mark, one tackle, uh, a free four, two against. Um, two of those twenty one disposals were. <laughs> Very circumstantial as he stood near the guy kicking it out of bounds of the full two times in a row. Um, back to back but, kicks. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, with that, he had six clangers, 76% disposal efficiency, and um, stayed true to his surname as each of his teammates burnt him at every possible opportunity uh, when he was free. Now, it tells me two things. Firstly, um, I don't think 55 is what he's going to average for the season. I think there are games where he's going to get on the end of it. Um, and score a lot more. Uh, I think there are games where they're going to use him, maybe even next game when Whitfield's not there. Yeah, well, they have to. <laughs> However, it tells me that he's not in their priority to get the ball to, which I definitely thought he would be, uh, judged by the preseason game. Um, he's not in their, not even their second priority to get the ball to. There was a time when Cornelio had the ball in the middle of the ground. He looked left, saw Ash running through the midfield, uh, running through the middle of the ground by himself, which, by the way, as a footballer, you want to get the ball through the middle of the ground at all costs. Instead, he turned to his right, saw that there were like eight players there, opposition and teammates, 
and like almost still tried to handball that way. And as he's getting tackles, like quickly flicks it out to the left. He's like, oh my God, I better give it to Ash here because um, I've got no other options. He was so underused. And then Ash got tackled immediately and I think it was an ineffective handball. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it was something. But he's just so inefficiently used and 90% time and ground, I don't see why that suddenly changes. I mean, Whitfield misses one week. Sure, he might have a better week this week. But why is the mentality going to change around Ash? Um, he had two kickouts, neither of which he left the square for. Uh, that um, was so which sad. Which is very upsetting. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know what needs to happen for him to now go up and average. He's not going to average ninety plus like people he chose him thought he was going to. Oh, I mean, I was expecting him to have a great year, but the problem was, I also thought that the orange tsunami. Sorry for saying it. I know it's a trigger warning for most people after watching that game and them it saying is. it seventy million times. I thought that was actually going to be a thing, um, and it was not a thing. They they looked terrible. Um, and then they fought their way back into it, but it was not on the back of any sort it was of the midfield. Battle. Yeah, it was not on the back of any sort of tsunami that I was promised. Nah. Um, realistically, in the practice match, it was all coming off the halfback. It was all rebounding and all running through it. That's not how they won that game. It was just through the no. midfield um, being really good. And it's not like Crows looked particularly interested in stopping this um, fake tsunami, but nah, um, just, essentially they both just played their games and that's just not GWS's game. It was uh, it was very frustrating. That being said, with Whitfield out, I think you can probably safely hold him for one more week. That's a bit of luck, positive luck, I guess. Um, but uh, at the same time, given you know you're going to be moving him on next week, you may as well do it this week if it gets you Dacos or Goulden or whoever. Yeah, I think that's the important thing is that um, it's probably going to get you one of those guys. His price point is up there and he provides a lot of flexibility on the trade table. Very much okay with moving him on. Okay with people holding as well. He did get 21 touches, but let me be clear. He got 35 of these points (laughs) in the third quarter. It's a big quarter, 35-point third quarter he had. Outside of that, he had 20 points for the match in the other three quarters and not on... The bench, not on. Oh, the ball was stuck on the other side. He had ninety percent time on ground. He was there. He could not score super coach points if he got paid to. Yep, um, which he does. Now, uh, next game. Uh, so not next game. Next team. Uh, there are still players to talk about here. Uh, Luke Pedler scored eighty three uh, with a goal. I think it's Cogs. important. Um. Well, I'm not going to talk about Cogs. All I'm going to gonna say to, is thank you for being so stern on Cogs the whole preseason because I probably wouldn't have <laughs> held on to him for the whole preseason if I didn't have your voice in the back of my head telling me that I have to pick Cogs because um, he looks really, really good. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah, best on ground performance by Cogs, 143 Supercoach. If you don't didn't start him, I think you're right. I should have spoken about him because he's probably one of the most important players to get into your team before a price rise because he's not coming down until round 8, 9 or 10 after their tough run. Um, sort of gets and probably gets a couple of average scores out of him. How but do you get to him though? It's really difficult. Jelly? <laughs> you, you're probably, I mean, look, if I had jelly and no cogs, I would absolutely make that oh, change. Wow, okay. I know it's just one week, but um, Cornelio being a forward compared to jelly being a midfielder, and I said this all preseason, I would, I would make that change. Um, that differential right there, I think he's going to earn you so many more points during the season, let alone just this one week. Coming up against West Coast, we'll switch him to the forward line, switch him with Davey or something. Um, 
if you sorry coming up against West Coast, he's actually captainable with his oh, teammate yeah. Tom Green. So um, yeah, I do think that is important to get Kenyayo in. All right. However, the next guy was Pedler. I just wanted to briefly touch on him, very briefly. Um, Scored 83, 13 touches. We just need to see what he does in a more um, one-sided game, I guess. Um, This was, yeah, he was still playing forward, forward pocket. He was very crafty, very good. Um, but I'd like to just see him again. I don't think anyone's trading him in this week. I wouldn't be confident trading him in this week. I wouldn't be surprised if this was in his best three games for the whole season. Neither. Okay, so we've got Laird to talk about now. Great. God, there's still so many people to talk about. We're an hour and 20 minutes in. There's still... Let me count. No, I don't know what the run sheet is. I've gone into this blind. My phone died like five minutes ago, so I can't even check any stats. Um, (laughs) There's six players to talk about still. By the way, you're on a laptop. You can probably check stats. No, I don't like the clicking noise in the background. But if you do you do hear it, it's all just JB anyway. (laughs) Shout out to Wooshka because I know he hears it and I know he'll say something to me. He would have sent me a message prior to this point. I leave mine. I can't see anything on my screen. Just nothing. So I'm usually on my phone, but my phone died. Um, Can I just say something about the day that's important context for the whole game? Go for it. It was this is crazy well. weather. Like I, I live in Sydney. It was so hot, but also incredibly humid. Like, you know, there's, I don't know if people have been to Thailand, but if you've been to Thailand, you're walking through and it's like I've muggy. Been to yeah, same thing. It's that temperature where it's like humidity, where it's like walking through water, but it's daytime. It was like that, <laughs> yeah. but 37 degrees in blazing hot sun. Um, it was just really wild weather. And I'm not massively surprised that it threw out just strange results for that midfield battle. Like for, for GWS players who train, I think that that weather happens like once a month in Sydney, right? So they're kind of used to it, but the Crows players would have had no idea what was going on. Like that would have been really hard. I'm, I'm not super surprised that Laird and like Barry were struggling early because if you're not used to it, that's, that's not easy. I actually think the, the Laird discussion is going to be short. So um, he had 77% time on ground, which is slightly lower. He had lower CBAs because I think the time on ground was a bit lower, probably because of the conditions. Um, he still had a 30-point first quarter, which included two behinds. So he Could nearly threatened to have a 50-point <laughs> first quarter. Um, and then scored about 20 points from then. I don't think he was tagged, but I think he was very well held by the team. Um, and when the ball did look to bounce his way, there were two guys all over him. Um, and that's just something I've personally noticed. So if, so if someone really watches the game and sees anything other than that, then I'm happy to receive feedback on that. But that's sort of, I mostly looked for it in the fourth quarter when I was like, really, what is actually happening with this guy? Um, and you just saw the ball bounce out. He's already getting held back or tackled pretty much. Um, and then Barry would just swoop on it or they still lost the clearance, but as long as it didn't go to Laird. Um, not to mention, this might have been the lowest tackling game in the history of the, of the sport in the midfield. Um, a lot of the tackling was outside the midfield, like strangely in the forward and, and defensive 50. Um, barely any in the midfield, did not suit Laird at all. He only had two for the game, which really hurts him. But the 18 touches, I just think it's it's just one of those games where like we're going to look back at it and say, oh my God, remember when we all captained that lead 50 and then he averaged 140 for the rest of the season? Um, like I really see something like that happen, not 140, but um, I think he still ticks every single box that we want. I don't think he's a trade-out option. I think that's crazy to think. He's still my vice captain this week coming. 
um, against Richmond because they won't do anything like what GWS did. Um, and it's at Adelaide Oval in better weather. Um, and I just I don't see a huge issue. Um, but it was concerning. And I think if he does do it again this week with the far less excuses behind him, um, then he becomes like a, a really desperate trade out. But hmm. as you said with the price changes earlier in the podcast, yep. if he's ever going to have a bad week and then back it up with two good weeks, it's going to be this week. And no one is affording him in round three. Let's be honest, round three or four no. when he bottoms out at like 660 if he has a couple of good weeks now. So I think of all the rounds for him to have a bad score, this was the best one, um, but it doesn't make it hurt any less. Yeah, the way what I saw was a car. I think the, the main thing, and I don't know, again, it could have just been this one matchup and it may have just been a terrible matchup, was he was kind of forward. I don't know how to describe it. He was like kind of forward in the center bounce. You have three guys. you got the Ruckman. you got your three guys. Um, you got one person kind of at the back, one person kind of at the side, and one person like in the front. Um, I think the front person is, unless you've got a dominant Ruckman, the front person's the least likely to be involved. Um, the person at the back is more likely because one, if you don't know where to go, you're either going to be handballing it forwards or you're going to handballing it back in hope. Or there's kind of that freedom of that back person to like run around one of the other two guys and get the little hands off. Um, Laird did that heaps last year, um, which is really good. I don't know how this midfield mix worked, but it looked like Laird was like the front person for a lot of the stoppages, um, which is not the ideal one um, because you don't get any of those little cheapy handballs. And I can't imagine that they may have just been matchup dependent and it just didn't kind of work out in that favor. But I'll be looking very closely at that against Richmond and seeing where his position is in those CBAs. And, you know, if their midfield mix forces him to not be the guy to get the cheapies anymore, um, because that that will be, (laughs) that'd be massive. Like I, I would be willing to trade Laird if he puts out a terrible score next week. Yeah, he's not a trade out option. Not this week. I got to. I got to watch him again. If he puts out, <laughs> he, I, honestly, he's still my VC next week, right? Like he might put out a one fifty. Yeah, yeah, exact same. And like we said, he was nearly on a fifty point first quarter. Um, I, yeah, definitely one to watch. I think we just watch. We watch. We see. Don't don't do anything crazy. If you trade him out and he has back to back good weeks and he's now owned yeah. by the competition less yourself, um, I think that is that is entering like borderline delete team status um, unless you like nail your two guys who you're probably trading well, pe- into. People have been suggesting crazy trades to me where they, they're trading in, let's say, day cost, but then also a mid-pricer. And I just... No, no, no. I no, think no, no, like no, no, it's no. so hard to get those top-tier guys that you chose one to have as your captain for the whole season. And unless... like I think it would be... Like that, the whole point of them was so that you would captain them and have that safety, and knowing how difficult it would be to get somebody with a massively high floor throughout the year. Um, if if I am trading him out, I'll do early early call JB because who's going to hold me to my word? But I think I would just do me. it to Oliver if if that was the way I went about it. Like I wouldn't even bother trying to get creative and bringing in another mid price. I I don't I don't feel like I'm going to get great value out of that, especially if the mid price is like Juan Francis, that's who's not even a guaranteed keeper. All right, the next couple of players that we've got to talk about, um, there's four guys who I want to quickly breeze yeah, through and then one more guy who I want to deep dive yep. into. Um, so the first one was just mentioning Warpool. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say Rochelle. 
No, 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 no. He was um, real good. 97 is really good. He if was he's on your good. waiver and he, you draft, and he is pick, real good. Pick him up. 100%. And if, he's, if, he, if he does it again next week, it, he might be a flounder. If someone out. underrates him as a keeper league, yeah, well, that's what I mean. Next round we'll talk about him, but for now we're just taking sure, it as it sure, is. Sure. Um, so James Walpole, 29 disposals. Um, he looks very good, but against Essendon, yep. um, who's one of the weaker midfielders, one of the weaker midfielders in terms of limiting opposition uh, supercoach players, um, I would say is probably one of his best chances at a high score, 29 touches. I don't think this is anything to, to screw your team up about. I think we still watch Warpool next week if we <laughs> don't have him against the Swans um, and we don't rush him into our sides. I, I don't think he's probably... I, I, I think likely you, you're happy if you started him, yeah. um, but you're not getting him if you didn't start him. I think you're still happy to not own him. If he goes 95 um, next week, I'd, I'd look... Potentially there, but there's a chance where you can yeah. sideswap someone like Hopper if yeah. that, if that money means something to that's you. Right. But like that's the that's the scenario that we're looking at. Agreed. Um, so don't don't do anything crazy with Warple. Um, as with Setterfield, I think it's important that they versus the Hawks, um, yeah. and he scored really well in the midfield. Uh, Ninety nine super coach, which is ridiculously lower than his dream team, which surprises me. Well, he me. wasn't that good. Like he was fine. I I mean maybe he was overrated because of his. Dream team and you know his his stats count, but watching the game, like he was very uncontested. He got in chains, which is where he got a lot of the ball. But he, his actual midfield CBA work was not that good. And Zeret was mm. being tagged, so they were like kind of using him sparingly in that midfield. So I was happy that I had him in my team, and I'm happy enough with him. But I'm definitely not. I wouldn't be. I'm not like saying, oh, this is a thrill. You must get him. Like I. Let's look at yeah, him next yeah. week in reassess. Same. I think he's the exact same as Warpool. Yeah, yep, yep, and yep. more expensive. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, pricey. Let's here. have a look. Uh, and then the other two guys are the Saints boys, uh, Philippou, who obviously played well. I think he's owned by a lot of teams anyway, um, but he's also a wait and see. Um, so this is obviously jumping yeah, into Yeah, I just the, want to see what happens when they get smashed. Um, yeah, well, they didn't in this game. They won by 15 against Fremantle. The thing I think is um, his role was incredible. He could have actually scored better because he had um, a couple more around about shots on goal or um, a couple of like unselfish passes, which is why he got such a good super coach ratio. Wait, when you say was, incredible, what, what do you mean his role is incredible? Did I say his role was incredible? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I don't know if I did, but if I did, um, I actually do like his role. I like his half-forward role, um, and I like how involved he is in the forward 50. Um, but I don't know if I said that. I just don't think Saints are very um, good. I know they just beat Freo, but... I, I was going to say, Ross Lyon, I think Ross Lyon is the right guy for this club, and I think I don't know if they're going to get smashed. Um, we'll they held Fremantle <laughs> to 52. You already see the defensive mindset that he's installing. Um, and he, they didn't have an outstanding player. None of their guys dominated this game. Mason Wood was the highest Supercoach score with 108. He was, he they only good. had two tons. And he scored those goals in the last. Looks pretty good. Yeah, it was a very, very stretched out team effort, which I think is very Ross Lyon. Um, I will touch on Royal Marshall. I, I don't even have him on my list, but it's very hard to score against Sean Darcy. Yep. I think 80 is fine, yep. no concerns. Um, and then lastly, Liam Stocker, 74, 20 touches, nine marks. Um, very involved to get across halfback and really built into the game as well. Um, I, I think role. he, yeah, I love his role. And um, you look at Caulfield, who's his direct competition, who's at least four to five weeks away and probably a small stint in the VFL considering he's been out for 18 months now. Um, I think Stock is quite safe and I think Ross has clearly identified him as uh, someone who can safely be in that role. He uses the footy well. 
Um, he was very mature with the footy, I think is the best way to explain it. Um, didn't just whack it on the boot, didn't get, um, didn't fall under the pressure or anything. 85% um, disposal efficiency. I think he's a very good sideways if you do need to get, I mean, he doesn't really get much money from someone like Liam Jones. Um, but if you have someone else around there, if you go Lucky Ash via Jinbi and you and stock is the guy that you want, um, then I, I completely understand that too. Yeah, I think jobs you're paying for the job security in this one. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's got, you know, a mid forty score in him at some stage, but he looks like he could he yeah. could pepper the sixty mark. Um so you, it's not like amazing value where you have to get him. It's just that, Last, that job security. But not least. Nat Fife scored 26 Supercoach. Now, very, very frowned upon selection in our circle, um, but still very highly owned in the general community. Um, I think it's so, so important to say, firstly, I don't think Nat Fife is going to have a, a, a game this bad ever again. He, he was just, <laughs> this was not his game. Um, three frees against, didn't get on the scoreboard um, with any goals. Um, disposal efficiency was bad. Six clangers, like, isn't, that was so un five-like it was crazy however having said all that um he's also not going to average 90 or even probably 85 plus uh so i think he's a trade out for sure yeah, yeah. um it's got north in melbourne next week or two so this yeah, one okay. week so might maybe be assess hold. north melbourne get get the 80 score that he gets against north melbourne and then just remember out. the reason that we didn't like him as in you and i and you know we then spread that word a little bit more um, he scored 90 with three goals and like eight score assists in the game against Port in the Prachy. So I just, yeah, it was less than it eight, was, but it was close. It wasn't um, quite eight, but yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's the role is not good and that's what we care about. So make of that what you will, but there, there's bailout options available. Some of these mid prices might be good, but a, 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 yep. he's not far in price from Goulden. If you, if you got the cash, that one, never a better 160k spent than upgrading five to Goulden. Okay. So I've got a, I've what about got a Jack Steele? He scored 90, 28 touches, uh, 90% it CBAs. It it, it's the same as Zera and Brayshaw. Like you don't expect him to do this um, every week. If it becomes a two or three week trend, same with Laird. You, then you start about worrying, Darcy? But as, as a, as of this week, um, Darcy was fine. He scored 96. He, he actually played really well. Um, I think he had 23 at half time, so he had a 70-point second and half. And he had a, I think it was a six or seven-minute patch. I can't, he was either on the bench in the last score or he just didn't touch it for like seven minutes um, and still scored really yeah. well. So he left a, he yeah, left a 130 on the, on the table on that one. Yeah, he really did. And, and again, he was against Royal Marshall. He played 100% in the ruck pretty much. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, tough, tough one. Um, okay, so... I've got a list here. So the guys who you might want to trade out, Hopper, Cunnington, Liam Jones, Sam Flanders, potentially Ben King, Nat Fife, and then any left field weird option, like if you're a real dumbass and started Hunter Clark, um, those types of guys are potential trade outs. <laughs> did you? How did you go with that Hunter Clark selection? I started Hunter Clark, right. and I'm going to talk about that in a can second. We, we didn't touch on Braun at all. Braun, Bruin. Oh, we didn't. Okay, hold on a sec, hold on a sec. Um, and then the potential ins, Dacos, Phillips, Horn Francis, McKenna, Uland, Golden, Callahan, Canelio is extensive. So Chandler. All I w- Sorry? Chandler? Oh, Chandler as well. Um, so all I wanted to say by taking that list is that if you do have too many of those guys and you think it's a realistic chance that you're going to need at least two of them next week, 
you might have to bring trades forward this week. So just be conscious of but that. Do the safe um, trades. Don't do the mid pricer ones. Yeah, correct, correct. Do the like correct. premiums do, ones. Do the ones that you're confident with. Get day cost by yeah. trading a couple of pre- uh, mid prices or um, a mid price and a rookie or something like that. Just do do those types of switches. Not the oh, I'm going to trade this mid price just to this mid pricer and hope that that guy goes well now. Um, those are the guys that you want to watch for another week. We were very specific this podcast and saying these are guys like Horn Francis. We just need to see for another week. Then they might force us to do the trade. Also, not this McKenzie's week. really good, and I don't know if we said that. He was just like really, really. No, we didn't say that, but yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, um, Bruin. Okay, so Bruin. Yeah, just quickly on Bruin. Um, so he played a really good first half, and he was getting CBAs, and he looked amazing in the CBAs. And then Stewart got injured at some point around that halftime mark. Um, was it? Was that during the second quarter? Sorry, I'm in the middle of yawning. Um, I, uh, <laughs> if I'm boring you, you can jump off. It's okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for our, um, our, our our ad break. I'm so sorry, Chiso. I forgot the ad break again. So there's going to be an ad break at some point earlier than this point because he puts it at about halfway. <laughs> All right. Well, it's probably leaving that this in then. So we must, we must yeah, continue. That's what was okay. your question? Sorry. Oh, boy. I have to repeat myself as well. Um I, I didn't know when Stewart had the uh, the leg injury. Oh yeah, it was right in the. He only got subbed at halftime, but it was it was right at the beginning of the game, like okay, 10 minutes so in. halftime though. Um, so Parfit came on at halftime, and then Bruin moved to a wing, and I think it's the stupidest thing ever. So Tui got moved into defence, Parfit got moved into the middle, and then Bruin got moved into onto the wing role. And Bruin was doing really well in the midfield. His first really half was well. good, yeah. His half, first half was exactly what we started him for and then he did barely anything on the wing because the wing's a tough place to, to play, especially if you're not a dedicated winger. Um, and when you're getting trounced by Collingwood's midfield as so well. Parfit then had 41% tog and had how many five handballs Yeah, for the entire second half. He was really, really bad. Um, and I expect their structure to reset and go back to what they want to go into the game with. Um, and I don't expect Parfit to be a part of that. And I do expect Bruin to be a part of that midfield group again. So Bruin for me is definitely another one weaker, another one week hold and see what he does next week. Um, not to mention the Collingwood midfield was really hot this game. Um, so hot. There weren't, weren't a lot of opportunities for Geelong midfield at all. Um, but regardless, Bruin I think is a very easy hold. Um, and then we assess next week. But he then goes on to that list of the outs where he's a very highly potential out next week as well. Yeah, so... I see him like Hopper. Yeah, I, I think that's that's good overall advice. Again, team-specific circumstances may prevail. Um, if you have too many mid-prices like myself with Ash and Hopper and Bruin, I mean, Setterfield's okay, but um, I feel like I need to make a move on at least one of them now so that I can do all my trades for next week if I have any rookie uh, sidewayses to do. So I'm kind of picking which ones I want to get rid of. So obviously Ash going to um, Dacos and and uh, Bruin going to Golden kind of makes the most logical sense for me. I do think it's a, I do think Bruin could be fine um, and then a trade out later. But I guess my concern is the time on ground for like Dangerfield was really low. I think it was like 62% and Bruins was also in the 60s. And it just makes me think, well, you know, what happens when Danger gets 80% time on ground? That's going to come from somewhere. So if, if time on ground is going to be a concern for Bruin moving forward, it doesn't really 
matter what his role is if his time on ground's really low. He's not going to be like the Will Brody type where he scores 100 because he's just like so contested and gets so many quick touches. Like he's not at that level. Um, so I'm just backing my gut on that feeling like that time on ground is going to be a bigger issue than roll um, and making yeah, a swift cut early, but understandably might be premature. Um, I also did mention that in these ins and outs, as Stewart owners now know, the injuries do happen as well. Um, and if you like, obviously, if you see one or two trades that you might need to make, and then also factor in that there are injuries in this game, they do happen. I don't want to jinx anyone or anything like that, but um, just plan. Plan for the fact that there might be a force trade somewhere, and you might also need to get two guys um, and use a boost. So. I'm just saying, I've seen a lot of YouTubers come out and say, oh, we're double boosting, we're double boosting, and people respond really, um, I think they're, it's concern. The response is more concerned, like we're wasting trades or we're going into this a bit too brash, but um, I, I just think, I think we really do need to consider, I'm boosting this week personally, but my team's probably a lot worse than a lot of people that I'm speaking to now. Um, but I think it's a boost type of week. In the, I think 90% of the competition should be using You're a boost boosting? this week or what next. Are your, am, I, am, am I talking about your trades? Like I, I'm surprised that you're boosting. How about this? Cheezo, cut to the ad. <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M. Com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, okay, so let's have a little discussion about our trades um, and captaincy, and then we'll quickly jump into a couple more talking points. I know this is going to be a long podcast, but it is what it is. It's round one. Watch it in two parts if you want our long podcasts. Um <laughs> First of all, the trades that I'm doing or the trades that I'm looking at doing, I personally need to move Hunter Clark out of my team. I did not want to start Hunter Clark. I only started Hunter Clark because of uh, both Yo and Crozier going out and Phillips going out. Um, really shook my team up. A lot of things changed and I threw him in there. Absolute cardinal sin. I 
fully regret it. I've never done anything like that in my super coach career. Like don't throwing someone in there that I don't believe in, that I didn't research or preseason, that I, I didn't know enough about. Um, but I don't know why I was lazy with it. I, I just did it and he needs to go. He was not good enough. I watched him very closely. His time on ground is bad. He's either in the midfield or on the bench. Um, and although he got enough disposals, he butchers them. He doesn't tackle hard enough, etc. He's out. He's good. Okay. So I've got to get Hunter Clark out. So from my perspective, Hunter Clark was my D2. So I'm going to Dacos somehow, some way. So the likely way into that is Ash down to Callahan or Stocker, um, which I don't mind either option. Pending um, Constable's, then, uh, if he's in or out, you can kind of plan around it. Well, the thing is, is, is if I go Ash to Stocker, then Constable just goes off field for someone like Philippou if he's out. Yeah. And uh, it gives me a lot of options. Yeah. Like I can swing him around any to, to any line. Um so the other option for trading is like a Jones down to a Cole to free up a bit more money. So I'm not certain where that last bit of money is going to come from, but I do need a little bit more cash to, to do the trades. Um, but it's going to come from somewhere and it's going to be one of these guys that we've spoken about, the, the Liam Joneses, the I'm going to hold Hopper regardless. Um, I'm also going to hold Bruin regardless. Those guys I'm giving one more week. I'm obviously holding Laird. Um, so it's a really limited number of players then that that were really disappointing and, and failed every possible test that I had for them. And someone like Liam Jones is on that list at the moment. I know he can bounce back, but four and a half of football, that which scaled up to five somehow. Um, and now hit, hit or miss for this week, I think is almost enough for me to just pull that trigger. Um, it's better if he misses. Uh, you get that loop. I, that's true. That's very true. Um, him missing might actually make me not do it, to be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Cowan goes nuts on Friday. But regardless, I think I need to I think I need to do three corrections this week and potentially three next week, depending on a few players. Um and I'm okay with that. I I, I didn't start with an ideal team. Um I feel like a few things factored into that which we're gonna chat about soon, but um I'm okay with that. I don't think that's being too aggressive. I think that's being too I think it's being exactly reactive to what we need to be reactive to. Um, we need to understand where we failed and, and where we succeeded in making our, our starting team with the information that we have. And I know waiting for a second week price point is ideal, but we're not going to have that opportunity because there are about 12 guys that did really well or really poorly in and out of our team that we need to assess and look at trading in the next two weeks before prices move, um, including next week, which is where we want to look at most of the rookies for a second time. There are at least two rookies that I think are a chance to enter my team next week. Um, from that list and I'm not getting them this week. No way. So sure. I think it really pigeonholes me into doing this, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with being a bit more aggressive on this at this point of the season because if I'm not doing it now, if I'm not playing to win in round one and two before price changes, then I'm playing for like a, a safe top 10K finish and you know it's between five and ten in all my leagues and you know just being happy with that and i don't want another mediocre year for myself so um that is where my aggressiveness comes from and i think it's fine all right uh that's that's fine i mean if i had to think of last season um i waited at the end of round one to make a trade and then i just figured that not all of crips and hewitt and english I guess I wasn't even looking at Sicily at the time, but I figured all those guys and Sherry as well wouldn't all do well 
and then I you know, wouldn't be able to get all of them. And they all did well. And I was only able to fix one rookie, got Sherry in, got Crips, and wasn't able to get Hewitt because I just hadn't used my trades wisely um, before round three. So I missed out. And then the prices changed, and then obviously I couldn't afford them for a little while. So being, I guess, hyper-aggressive before the prices change, yeah, you might run out of trades at the end of the year. And that's okay, but you also might not. And that might be okay too. But at least you'll, you'll have a better team. And at the end of the day, JB, one person's going to win. The rest of us are in it. And what we want to get out of it is either you know, winning your leagues or having fun. And it's really hard to have fun if your team is bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think being conservative might suit some players. And I understand that method, but... For me, I'm, I don't want to be conservative with this team. There are a lot of teams I've seen where I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'd probably be pretty relaxed with that team. Um, but mine is not one of them. And I'm more than happy to get on the front foot and say, I messed up on a lot of my starting selections and went against my better judgment with a lot of my picks and I regret it heavily and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can to sort of rectify that. Um, and that's okay. I think we're all still young coaches in this game and I think we still have room to improve and um, that is what I want to talk about shortly but let's quickly get into some captaincy um, chitter chatter before we go into anything else. Yeah, boosting um, as well but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I was going to talk about your trades um, in a second. I'm sorry but I'm a bit all over the shop but quickly, well, all right, let's, let's talk about your trades first. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, I said the before. whole philosophy chat so let's just say your trades. No, no, I, I actually really like my I guess price points in my team that I chose. I think I did. I think I did a lot of things really well. Um, I mean, my score obviously doesn't reflect it, but I think a lot of that was circumstantial. Um, I left myself with lots of options because of the way I structured my side, and that was an active plan that I wanted to do going into it. I mean, I was choosing yep. between. Sorry, JB. I was choosing between Hunter Clark and Setterfield, um, and chose Setterfield on purpose. Um, so that I could push Cam McKenzie to the bench, which ended up not being good. But I think just like structurally, it suited my side. Um, and because of that, I have really good outs. I think I think trading Kelly to Callahan and then being able to upgrade Ash, who looks like a failed mid-pricer, and Bruin, who also looks like a failed mid-pricer early days, to, to Goulden and Dacos, you know, getting two premiums for the one and both I don't think will be... It's not like the same scariness of trading in a Horn Francis or a Zebul. Like I, I think both of them I'm quite confident in, and that sets my. Basically, I love all of my picks and my entire team after that. So I feel like that's very good, <laughs> a good use of a boost. Yeah, it's the perfect use of a boost. And I remember um, a lot of people still left with their boost after, yeah, pretty much the buy rounds last year and their full premium, and they're like, "Oh, I've, I've, I've still got these boosts." And it's like, "Yeah, well, now what do you want to do with no, them?" No, no, we got five of I'm these, which feels like it. actually too many. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very happy. Them, I, I actually don't think I'm going to end up boosting next week. I'm, I'm, it's every chance I only use one trade next week, just doing like Jones if he's whatever to to a rookie. I think that's the likely use of the boost, and then I just uh, use of a trade, and I end up just using four over the. The two weeks, which won't I, be I think, dissimilar to I other think years. When I look at it, there's a chance I do Hopper and Bruin out next week. Yeah, and then the only way I boost next week is if Fife, sorry, is if Laird is again really bad, 
Um, but otherwise, I'll just yeah. be utilizing Hopper and Bruins' money to get um, Gordon in my side, and that's it. Yeah, Laird's, Laird's a big one for us. That could change a lot. He's the only one that could make me boost next yeah. week, I believe, unless there's like a big injury. Yeah. Okay, you. so let, let's quickly talk about captains here. Let's. So I think it's pretty easily for, for Laird owners that they go VC Laird. Um, yes, I have faith into a captain from GWS, which can be either Green or Kelly, depending on who you like more. But I, I think I'll go Green. Yeah, I mean, I can't really. Sorry, Green Cogs. or Cogs, I should yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, I, those are both really good options. I think there are there are a lot of other decent options as well. Um, I'm just the problem with Laird is you kind of want to VC him, but at the same time, he might not even be the best VC option. It might be worth just ignoring him entirely. Which, who do you think is better? I th- I know who you're going to say, but say it anyway. Oh, now, I get this. now the pressure's on. Um, I'm going to say Golden. Okay, say someone else. <laughs> don't don't think that guy. I wasn't thinking of that guy. That was an intentional intentional mis- mischievous thing by you. No, it could be it could um, be it could be Sean Darcy. Could be Wits. Could be Gorn. Okay, okay. Now, now, you're, now you're intentionally doing this. Just I'm looking at a right personally. Okay. Bontempelli Fine. against St. Kilda has a very, very good history. Um, but I'll be very surprised if either Bytel or Winhager don't go to Bond. Whichever one is named, which I think would be Winhager, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't go to Bond. So, Lobs so, out, JB. Um, that news just came factor. out. So, yeah. I guess if they bring in Sweet. Is that a that that's that's good for Bont? Um, but if they just don't, I don't know who they. I don't know they're gonna have to bring in. If Jones is out, they might but bring Waitman? in. Is Waitman back? No, he's not. But if if Bruce has to come in for Jones, maybe they might play Bont forward. So well, Bruce was Bruce was already in. Yeah, but if he comes in, yeah, right. Yeah, if they bring in the, another defender for for Jones, if Jones is out. Could they move Bruce back forward? I'd be well, then very they surprised two if they move Bruce back forward. They need forward. to bring two defenders to do yeah. that. Uh, I just, it might um, work out that Bont plays forward if Sweet doesn't come in. So that's why I would... There's just It's a little bit yeah. scary. Yeah. I don't mind... What about Dacos? Like, I, don't, I don't mind either of the Brisbane boys against Melbourne. I don't think Melbourne are particularly restrictive in terms of their things. But I think Doherty in the Dacos yeah. role last, year, last week... Um, against Geelong, who obviously don't tag halfbackers, yeah, it's true. Um, I think has potential as well. Um, and he could, he should have, could have, would have gone big this week, but just yeah, Dockley's a decent shout. I think I'll just yeah, do Laird into. I, I think there are good options. <laughs> I think Laird into uh, GWS player is my play for sure. Yeah, uh, it's hard to go past. Um, okay, so I just want to quickly talk about this podcast has gone too long, so it's not going to be as long a segment as what I thought it just would be. Got, we're already almost two hours in. There's no point rushing now. Just let it, get it out, whatever it it's has to true, do. It's true. I don't even know what the segment firstly, is. <laughs> firstly, okay, this is just us as super coach players, as in you, me, Chizo, the wider community, content creators, players in general, as super coach players. Okay. Firstly, I think we overrate tags and, and tagging in the game when we do our picks. I think Dacos getting tagged in the preseason clearly changed his um, his percentage from 50% ownership to like 38%. So clearly other people were doing this as well, um, which is why I'm bringing it up. But he also pushed him out of my team. And then I thought, what if he just is 
good outside of those games. And he still scored 70 with Finn, Cal- uh, Finn McGuinness on him. So what if he's just like good enough? And I just don't think we give credit enough to the good players. They're going to be good outside the tag, especially non-midfield players um, who are not uber premium priced. So Dacos, I think, was a huge oversight by us. Um, I start, I'm starting to think that we overrate the tag. So let me get this um, and right. as we saw with Hopper, it might just not happen. Let me get this right. What you're saying isn't the tags don't exist or don't exist in the number we expected. No, but of course what you're not. saying is that we overrate the impact a tag may have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and okay. the, the game's outside of that tag. Yeah, so yeah. if Dacos leads into those uh, maybe two or three tag games with a couple of big scores and then he gets held to a couple of 70s or 80s, and then has a couple of big scores after that, his price isn't even... It's not affected to the to the point where you go, oh, man, I'm so glad I didn't start Dacos. We we still needed to start Dacos. It was, it was an oversight. Early days, went round one. But yeah, I, I agree course, with you, you know what I'm in saying. that we overrate the, I guess, severity of a tag. Um, I, I think there's some... Not misconception because obviously people are allowed their own opinions. People are like, oh, well, teams don't tag as much because only two tags, two teams tagged this weekend. But I, I disagree with that statement specifically just because I think it's matchup dependent, right? If there's no one worth tagging, they're not going to tag anyone. And if there's someone worth tagging, they will tag them. And it needs to have the right players in that team to do the tag, which can vary different week. I think tags are very, like, I think more, it will be more than two on average, you know, across the season. Um, and that will keep happening, but the severity of the tag might not be as bad as what we were thinking. So, just to well, make that clear, it might be a half-time tag because someone started really yeah. low, and you know, all of a sudden they only need thirty points for a ton from half-time, and the tag is impactful, but it's not like they're not getting held to fifty or sixty, um, like we've seen with some players. I still, but some still players can get tagged more than that's others. That's what I'm saying. So I still agree, like Zach Merritt, Andrew Brayshaw, Darcy Parrish to an extent as well. I still agree that some players are still really taggable and in, in those instances you would rather wait for a really low spike game. Um, but I think in most instances we overrate it and I, I think that's important to, to acknowledge as well. Um, the other thing, the next thing I wanted but, to talk about, not the only other sorry, thing. Sorry. Uh, no, no, I just I didn't have my phone on me so to be able to tell how much merit went with the Finn, Finn McGuinness tag this week. So I... Can't make a it comment. It was like a low ton or is it high 90s? It was, it was one of the two. All right. I think it was in the oh. 90s off the top of my head, like 92 or something like that. But yeah, it wasn't It wasn't yeah. like disastrous. No, it wasn't disastrous. Um, there it's are instances more than where it has been disastrous, <laughs> but yeah, more than who apparently didn't get tagged. Yeah. Um, so he ended up with 92, yeah. Um, so good job by you. The next thing I wanted to talk about was the preseason. Okay. Oh, my days. I still, after so many years... Do not know how to navigate the preseason and and where to weight my opinion because I thought from Ash's performance in the preseason that he would be one of their their go to guys the Orange Tsunami yada yada. Now I've said it, so I'm upset at myself. <laughs> um, like and and he just clearly wasn't. And I, I feel like it's really difficult to understand the information as it is now. They've brought it down to just one game, which makes it even more difficult. Um, coaches clearly still don't roll out the the correct or, or what they plan on rolling out in season proper, as we've seen with North Melbourne, Cunnington, Sheasel, Simpkin. Um, and I, I think 
the amount that my team changes based on my first initial um, gut feeling compared to my over analytical preseason feeling is is too much. It's crazy. Um, LDU was in my team before the preseason. Dacos and Hayden Young were in my team before the preseason. Uh, and I know it's too early to make calls on these guys. Like, oh, see, they were obviously successful picks. But so many guys left my team due to the preseason. Yeah. And now I look at it and go, why did it have so much? It was it was a poor game by that player, but the role was still probably fine. And why did it force them all the way out of my team? Yeah, the LDU but, one stings. He was in my team picker team and had him until his game and then took him out. And they, at the Supercoach yep. launch event, um, when I was talking to some of the guys there, I'm like, why am I just not picking LDU? Like, he's clearly going to be good. Um, and he's ticked all the breakout boxes. And then I just, like, didn't pick him. Um, yeah. And I just really thought he would be good and didn't do it. And then I'm like, well, Thank God I? Tom Green had a good preseason because <laughs> if we didn't start him based on our preseason on Seriously. him. Disaster. Um, so I did want to quickly mention that. I think this is so important to remember for next year. But the thing um, is, like, you the- do it's, – it's actually hard because most of the preseason picks – like have gone very well. I don't think there's any preseason picks that I can think of off the top of my head. I was going to say surely we got saved by the preseason on one or two picks, but off the top of my head, I can't really think of any that I got saved from. No. Yeah, I can't think of any. Oh, well. It's more so it revealed the Warples, the Setterfields, the guys with improved roles, the, the Goldens even. I guess it saved us from um, Steele, Jack Steele. He was someone I was, I was still considering up until the – the day. I mean, but still his might role be was perfect. He still might be really his good. His role was perfect. Saved us from yeah, that one he, bad he, score. <laughs> yeah, he just might not be as incredible as he was two years ago, but his role was still very good. There's still a chance we get him. But um, yeah, and I mean, Laird had 150 in the preseason game and, and now looks like a shell of himself. But <laughs> that's, that's, again, why I've got confidence in Laird because I know he's still that guy this year. Just didn't um, happen. Yeah, I just, I mean, the 590, it would have sucked so many people in um, just because it was a 90 in the forward line. And they're like, okay, he's still going still gonna to do the things. But yeah, the Cunnington role would have sucked so many people in as well. Um, yeah, I just think we need to be a lot more selective. McKenna, a lot of people were scared off McKenna. Yeah. Um, but he has the history and everything. Um, yeah, so I think, I think we Might need to be, be more selective. Might be a good reflection at the end of this year. Um, as well, just because we're only going off one round round of data. This is a round one reaction. I do yeah, agree. We'll see. Everything might be um, flipped by round two even. Next thing. I think there was enough guns and rookies to do that, to do that, um, to do guns and rookies with maybe one, maybe two mid prices. Um, and in the last two seasons, I think we've gone way too heavy on the mid prices. Um, again, round one reaction. I get that, but... Bruin, Hopper, Ash, um, Hunter Clark, you could even say Liam Jones, all in my starting team. I'm trying to think of if there was another one. Um, maybe not. And then Elliot Yo, Warpole, and several others all went through my team in the preseason. Um, and I didn't look at it, almost really any 13 premium teams, let alone, I mean, barely any 12 premium teams. I think... I think we're overreacting with that structure, but it's too early to tell. I just want to put it on the radar. Um, well, I mean, I had I had a 13 premium team for the, until the final preseason game, and I was like really keen on trying to squeeze in the 13th premium and then went down to 12 and had worked out the entire preseason team. The only non-12 
12 premium team I had was on the the day of the Thursday night when all those players weren't named and I restructured. That was the yep. first time I ever had an 11 premium team. Um, I'm not sure all the rookies were there unless you took everyone in the back line. So structurally, I think 12 is was viable, but 13 probably not viable um, just because you couldn't you couldn't get all the cheap premiums in and still fill your bench with the rookies because the rookies would be in the forward line and they were more expensive. So I don't think that worked out that way. But yeah, 12, I think 12 was probably the right call, not 11. Um, however, but we said this at the beginning of last year and we didn't we didn't learn from it. I, I mean, look, I'm fixing that this week and I'll, I'll go back to the 12 and be really happy with yeah, my team. Yeah, I'm also but fixing it too. To be so fair. I, I, we're, qu- we're quickly reacting to you, it. But. You get the pr- the, pre- the mid-prices. It's not just the fact that, that, hey, they might break out and be keepers. It's more they let me have these price points where I could use them as plans of attack to get players that I needed. Like because Bruins in the forward line, I'm able to get Goulden from him. And, you know, because of, I guess, the DP in the midfield and the way that it's set up. Like, I'm able to get Dacos for it. But so. we should have just started those guys. Like, they were they were still obvious preseason selections to us because, I mean, Dacos had a worse score, but we overrated the tag, in my opinion. But Gordon's role was like Well, in I had Gordon F5 literally up until... I know you did. I know you did. And I didn't. <laughs> but I every time I didn't, it was because I was like, yeah, he probably averages in the 90s, but it's, there was no real justification for that it was just like a it was like I fobbed him off because he was too hard to fit into the structure that I already had and I think I was just stubborn I think that's bad coaching and, and bad for the people that I was sort of recommending my team structure to I was so hot um, in Golden F5 I'm so annoyed at myself that I didn't do that yeah and there were a lot of players like Jay Zinn that, that I was hot on that I didn't roll with and and they were the correct pick and I'm not saying we we should get everything right and I just remember back to years ago when I was one of those guys commenting on the Twitter post saying, I can't believe people fall for these types of plays every year. And it's the Bruins, it's the <laughs> Josh Hoppers, Kellys. it's the Cunningtons, <laughs> it's the it's the Flanders. Like we didn't we did we talk about we did talk about Flanders, but it's those types Only of guys we were where not I, I comment No, we weren't. But I would comment and say, I can't believe people fall for this guy every year and it's like yeah, but now I'm trying to fit like five of them into my structure in the last two preseasons, and it has not worked out one bit. Like we started Mitch McGovern last year, and like it's just I don't, I don't know. It seems to me like we've gone down this path, and um, I think last year's different fit, uh, than this year, though. You can't every year's different. I, 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 I know every year's. I get every year's different, but it's back to back years where. Hewitt and Cripps is the Golden and Dacos of this year, and it's like we but just those have ignored them. Are different price points. The Golden, yeah, but this, they were so highly owned. Those four though. players come into the last two seasons so highly owned and were not. No, on but them. Golden and Dacos are pr- like you're picking them as premiums and keepers. When you're picking a four fifty k midfielder, that's that's neither here nor there. And when you're picking a three ninety nine k defender, that's. That's a that's a genuine. But people mid-price. picked them thinking they would be premiums. Yeah, I know, and then obviously I thought that was crazy, and that was wrong, and it worked, and it, and it worked out. out. But, like, yeah, but that was yeah. a, last year. There were so many. Of those I know guys it's circumstantial. I'm not this year. There were. I'm not trying to rag on us. I'm not trying to rag on us for for picking certain guys or not picking certain guys. I'm I'm just trying to adjust our mentality a bit because I think the 36 trades has sent us a little bit too far down a path and you just want to reel it we back. need to remember next year. We need to reel it back just a little bit. But I mean, if I, the I mid-prices are ground. there next year, I'll be going mid-prices. I mean, it just depends on the person. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't be yeah. considering a you know, a Jack Bowes 
early on, but I, I'd still consider Yo because I think Yo could have been a keeper. Well, Yo was different. Yo had the Yo has the history. Motto. But Ash was never going to be a keeper. Um, so what were we doing? What were we doing with Ash? Yeah, I mean, this I doesn't, agree. doesn't really make sense. You compare the price um, point, Ash is the same price or more expensive than Yo. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of laughable when you say it out loud. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I was so sold. Like, anyway. Um, the yeah, last bad thing is the boosts. You, and <laughs> I, no, I know it is. And I've been I'm beating myself busy. up for it no, a little no. bit. But look. Like the thing is, I know I'm a I know I'm a good coach, and I know I give good advice, but I think I fall into traps like anyone else does, um, and I just need to go into the season with a different way of looking at things in a like a different perspective on things. And I think saying it out loud helps more than just saying, "Oh no, it's the it's the boosts and the thirty four trades or thirty six or thirty five trades, and or it's COVID or you know." I keep coming up with reasons for why I'm having a poor start, and then. Not ever thinking. Well, it's it's actually just my mentality. Like some of these guys that I started this year, Hunter Clark and Ash specifically, are laughable picks, and I, I don't know how I talked myself into them. I mean, Clark, Hunter Clark, I did not talk myself into. No, you went rogue with started. that one, yeah. Um, but that was that was very reactionary to the teams. But um, I don't know how I I've done this, but I've just fallen into the trap twice in a row now, and I and I think. Unless I actually front up to this, I, I'm not going to improve as a coach because I know I've got improvement in me. Um, so I, I just this is a bit therapeutic. I no, guess. I, I think it's um, good. And, I, and hopefully for p- people listening, I as don't well. know. When you when I said it out loud, Ash and Yo being the same price, what am I doing? So bad. <laughs> um, so bad. Lastly, the boosts and the 36 trades. Um, I just want to say. We spoke about it earlier, incidentally, anyway. Um, but the aggressiveness that people were are choosing to take or not take, um, I just think I don't, I don't really even really know what to say on this. But I think the mentality isn't exactly where it should be on these either. Um, I think you need to be aggressive if you if you identify mistakes in your team, like I do. Sitting and watching them for another week while there are like eight guys that are other mistakes or mistakes that you started or mistakes that you didn't mm. start sitting and watching all of those guys for another week spells. You're going to have four of those guys still in three weeks time. Other stuff pops up. Rookies come off the bubble. Rookies get dropped that you need to correct. Um, mid prices go crazy. Like the, the day costs of the Gordons appear. Um, there are trades that we need to make by force. If you're not being aggressive at this point of the season, like we said earlier, um, it's really hard to imagine when you're going to be aggressive with your team, especially if you identify mistakes in there. Um, so I, that's something that I've talked myself into now this year is I can't just sit and watch my team burn to the ground and go, you know, I'll just make two trades next week and I'll save those five boosts because you can't cash in those boosts for points. They don't redeem them. You can't redeem them at the end of the year for like a free Starbucks coffee or something. They go, they go away. You have to utilize them. And I think it's really important to start the season um, to, to be able to utilize these things that we never had access to. If I was only making four trades in the next two weeks, my team in round three would still be horrible. I'll guarantee you yeah. that. Um, so I've it, seen it's team. just, I don't know. I <laughs> know, <laughs> so have I. It's on my screen right now and I'm, I'm struggling to talk while distracted by the hideousness. But um, I, no, I just want, I want the listeners to really understand that 
it's not trading for the sake of trading. It's not just having you know trades and burning a hole. And there are so many teams that I've seen where I go, you just should not trade this week. Like you're in such a better position. They probably have one of Golden or Dacos, to be honest. And I say, you know what, you just hold tight for the next guy who might be you know a must trading next week. But you don't have to react like I do because your team is better. Um, but there are guys with teams similar to mine. Um, unfortunately, too many of them, especially in our Slack. And I apologize for the bad start, but. Um, that we just we just need to be aggressive. We need to get the ball rolling on this team. Otherwise, it's just going to decay and it's going to get worse. Yeah, I'm happy to use boosts early. Um, I think an interesting part about the boosts last year was it, I, I think a, a way people were using them wasn't necessarily to like double downgrade a rookie and do an upgrade, which is how I had anticipated the boosts Envisioned would be used. It, yeah. But people were like, doing their one up, one down. And then they, some people were doing like a one sideways of a rookie to a flyer like Darcy Cameron, um, who no one ever, even after one round, didn't expect him to, you know, dominate, um, you know, the, the Himmelberg types and kind of bringing in these cheaper premiums that have just like knocked off four tons in a row. And you're like, you know what? It might not work out. It might work out. Why don't they just give it a crack with my boost? And people were doing that a lot and that seemed to pay off last year. I don't know if that's going to happen again this year because – obviously, who can't predict the future. But um, if that doesn't happen, then what? Do we, I, like, then our boosts are probably not... I don't know. I feel like the best value you get for your boost is fixing structures rather than like individual players is basically where I'm going with it. So using them now to be able to get the good players on the hot start before the season, before the prices change and get the, your optimal structure going into round three will be more important than any other reason really to boost throughout the whole season. All right. I just want to finish on, um, I do appreciate everyone who's still tuning in. We did have a poor start to the season last year and we tried to pivot as quickly as possible, but just couldn't catch up to some of the freight trains. I just didn't pivot last year properly. Um, yeah, not properly. This year, um, I wouldn't say it's a bad season. I still think we're really close to the oh, top. This was, um, sorry, I feel bad so circumstances. Like, I've, I've left, looking yeah, at yeah, my yeah. team, like I, I left like 180 points on the table. Like, that's unlucky. <laughs> I'm not, I don't feel as um, bad about my team as I did last year, but I'm no, ranked no, no. 15K worse in round one than last yeah, year. But I just, I just want to say, if you're still tuning in, if you're still taking the advice, if you're going to let us, give us a chance to sort of get us out of where we're in right now, which I, I still don't think is as bad behind the eight balls as what it could be. Um, very, we're just, we're just appreciative, I guess. Um, and we look forward to turning the season around and turning all our ranks from, what is it, five figures right now into three or four figures. This so will I'm, be, I'm confident that This happens. will be a big... Well, we're going to talk again in three weeks' time, JB. I think the mood's going to be very different. That's my prediction. I agree. I agree. Pretty confident. Um, when am I not there? And <laughs> Port 1, so it, it, it's a good weekend. And anyway. I guess going into next week, Pies will have won two games and we'll be sitting pretty, pretty happily. Should we? I, I feel like we should put <laughs> together some sort of arrangement for the All match. All right, we'll, we'll work it out uh, off we'll the podcast. <laughs> yes, it's always better to do these off the podcast with no pressure yeah. of listeners. Um, all right, so thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, obviously, you can find me at JB underscore DRSC, Pistol underscore DRSC, and Chizo underscore DRSC. Obviously, and don't forget, me, JB, this week people. as well, round one, um, uh-huh. we will have our. First article for the season 
code sports. Check them out. Don't forget that there is a current Dr. Supercoach patron-only offer, $1 for three months, and that gets you to round 12, or if you just start to do it now, to round 13. That includes Supercoach Super Coach Gold as yeah, well. Yeah, Supercoach Plus. It's now called, but that's, uh, that's, a, that's a big big deal especially early parts of the season where you want to use all the trades and everything so you can find that offer um, on our patron and I'll uh, reset it at some stage this week as well just so you can check it out um, just in time for the last coach standing as well if you sign up to that in the next couple of weeks you'll be we are, in our patron that as well. is as well there's a couple of quick announcements the, the last coach standing will obviously be going ahead this year I'll be posting the code to join the group this week on our Patreon, so make sure it's a free to enter competition. Once you're well, free to enter once you're already a, a patron. Um, I don't know if that's the correct way to advertise that, JB. But uh, either way, that will be be getting done this week. So thanks everybody uh, for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye.